and welcome into sports and the world. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, we truly do appreciate it. And how are you, my man? I'm hanging in there. How are you doing today, bud? You know, I'm I'm doing good. You know, with our picks, which we'll talk about, I could be doing a lot better. Thanks a lot. Ah, Big... ah. Thanks a lot, Big Ben. Don't think that's triumphant t- uh, for something this week. This uh, damn fantasy yeah. football was a dismal failure. Yeah. Jeez. Oh my God. I want to get into that. Ah, jeez. Damn it, Ben. Uh, but <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So I want to delve into just kind of a recap some of the the things that you saw in we you know the opening season of. The 100th season of the NFL, what your thoughts and comments on it? A lot of good games. Uh, a little bit of disappointment, I know, for some fan bases. Um, mine in particular. Uh, <laughs> we blew a, a 16-0 lead. I uh, That game actually hurt the most. So I was in Atlanta uh, last week for a conference. I'm watching the game uh, on my phone. And uh, so I take a ride to the airport on the Uber and I get through uh, security and so on and so forth. And then I get on the plane. They started having trouble with the Wi-Fi. Uh, we get up in the air. I don't know, about 40 minutes into the flight is when when all systems were going. I could actually, you know, be a civilized human being and have Internet. And I get on and final score, 17-16 Buffalo. I'm like, fuck, I, I, I felt like 30 minutes I was out of, out of touch and. And uh, we shit the bed. That that one hurt. Um, the other one who I feel for, I'm saying a, a, a very deep prayer for, is the Miami Dolphins. Jesus. Uh, that was that was terrible. Uh, that was an ass-beating that just didn't stop. That was, that was a UFC fight where the ref knows that the guy's knocked out, and he just lets the other guy get a couple licks on him just to prove a point. Um, Baltimore came out on fire. That is going to be a very interesting team to watch. Uh, you know, some of the other ones I was actually a a little curious on, um, and who I see some potential with is the Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. He, he, uh, they looked that in the water. They came back and they tied it. Um, that was a really interesting game. Uh, of course, the, the Chargers survive in overtime. Indy put up a way better fight than I thought that they were going to. Uh, whoever had Austin Eckler in fantasy, God bless you. Um, <laughs> that was that was just an outright just that it, it was a beautiful game to watch. Uh, you know, the the one that also worried me was the Tampa Bay. Uh, San Francisco game. Jameis Winston did not look comfortable in any shape, form, or fashion that that entire game. Um, this, I think, this is going to be Winston's deciding season. He's had a lot of ups and downs in his career with Tampa. Um, you know, it's not that I'm biased against him. I mean, granted, he came from Florida State. You know, he did win a national championship, so I really can't talk too bad about him. He got into the NFL. And he, he's had a lot of ups and downs. He's got arguably one of the best receivers in the league with Mike Evans. Um, he's got a decent backfield. You know, this is Tampa has the pieces, but for some reason, 
it's like they can't put it together. Um, but, you know, Richard Sherman got his first pick six off of him as a 49er this week. So, you know, shout out to, uh, to the Shermanator out there. And, uh, yeah, there, uh, there are so many games to talk about. Of course, Jason Witten scoring his, you know, 69th career touchdown at like 600 years old. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how he does it. Uh, the, the one play that I was actually surprised about the, 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 I would say the number one play of, of week one was the flea flicker with Andy Dalton. Uh, that, was just that that was some backyard football moves right there uh you know great heads up for the Bengals. like i said they they played a hundred percent better than i thought they were going to i expected the Bengals just to go out there and just just get plastered to the wall um of course with the new england patriots well i don't even know what to say about that with antonio the whole antonio brown situation uh, from our last week's podcast, and now a lot happened. And last night, now he's being charged with, uh, with with some type of sexual assault, just like any player or any person. I'm a very firm believer uh, in the U.S. justice system, and you are innocent until proven guilty by a court of law. So I really don't want to touch on that. If it's true, that's a really shitty thing to do. If it's not, that's a really shitty thing to accuse a man of. Uh, so I, that's as much as and that's the only thing I'm going to say on that. I'm going to let the, the, the justice system hopefully work its way out in the proper way. Um, and then Deshaun Jackson, his, uh, his return to the promised land in, in Philly, you know, fly Eagles fly. He, uh, he put on a show against them skins uh, last week. You know, and you know what? And he, he really did. And, you know, in that in that Washington game, that was a lot closer than what I expected. And, you know, Case Keenum had a great game. You know, you know, maybe I think Philly realized that, wait a minute, this is not preseason. And they realized, hey, you know, this is week one. But, you know, but Deshaun Jackson showed up. He still he still has the wheels. He still has the talent. And, you know, I think, you know, that that was an excellent week one recap. But, you know. I think one of the things I learned week one, I want to talk about the Tennessee Titans defense. And I want to talk about specifically, I want to talk about just, just the way they put with Baker Mayfield. And this is what I say about, I'm still high on Cleveland. I'm not going to let one game be like the all end all, you know, like, you know, like, Oh, you know, you know, the whole London bridge is falling type thing. That Tennessee defense. And I kind of talked about when I ranked the teams early, you know, a couple of weeks back, I talked about that defense under, Mike Vrabel is very good. Absolutely. It's a very good defense. You know, they got Malcolm Butler from New England, understanding the system, understanding the philosophy. There's a lot of talent. You know, Tennessee, they had, I guess, three interceptions and five sacks. Cameron Cameron Wake, the guy Miami wishes they kind of had now, had two and a half sacks. Logan Ryan had one and a half sacks and an interception. You know, listen, with Baker Mayfield... I still believe in this team. I do. But listen, it's it's like what I talked about. I think I talked about last week. My only problem with the Cleveland Browns is the coaching. Freddie Kitchens is the 10th coach for the Cleveland Browns not to win on opening day. This, you know, coming out of the gate, Cleveland's not great. But I didn't expect them to just lay the you egg. I think there's the some game. type of supernatural curse in Cleveland. Some, uh, some Harry Potter-esque materials going on around here. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, I think a little Harry, you know, I think Harry Potter's like, listen, I, someone beat me to it because <laughs> be, because it, it, they came out of there. And like I saw that Cleveland fans were leaving. So it answers the question, well, who let the dogs out? Oh, they let themselves out. They let they left like, no, we're good. We're going to leave. It felt like the same old Cleveland Browns week one. Baker Mayfield, listen, he didn't have a terrible game. He went 25 or 38. But those three interceptions were key interceptions. And, and Marcus Mariota, listen, he only threw the ball 24 times. They had three touchdowns. You know, and, and I'm going to touch on what you talked about with Jameis Winston. That was a terrible game by Jameis. And when they came out of the draft, I was always for Jameis because he played in a more pro-style offense. Because when you come out of college, you're playing that running gun stuff, historically those quarterbacks don't work. They just don't work. Like Mahomes is probably the outlier on that. But Mariota had a solid game. Vrabel had a solid plan. We'll lean on Derrick Henry in that defense. And they won. And I also want to touch on, like I said, you said all, you know, about the Miami, you know, look, Dolphin fans, you know, I hope you have heat season tickets because listen, you know, okay, if you can exchange them, if there's an exchange program, nobody will want these tickets. They're going to be bad. They might be 0-16 bad because you let, you let Lamar Jackson, he looked like steaming Willie Beeman from any given Sunday, had that dude up there slinging passes. Nobody could stop anybody. I'm like you, you know, this, it was a UFC fight and it, and it felt like a lot like, you know, use a wrestling thing. It kind of felt like, you know, when you see Brock Lesnar, you're like, oh crap, he's going to beat up everybody. And that's what happened. And the ref's like, oh, we're going to try to stop it, but no one's going to try to stop it. People like accidents. People like, oh, I don't want to look, but I, I can't look away. That was this game. Do you think they'll go a full 0 and 16? You know, in my, my gut well, says, I guess I guess let me ask this. Do you okay. think they're going to go 0-16 on accident or on purpose? You know, I, I think I'll put it this way. If at week, I would say if we're, we're at three-fourths of the season away, so that would be, what, 12 games? Yeah. If, they are, if they're like 1-11, 0-12, they're just going to tank. They, because really, when you see when you see the talent, listen, I just – Honestly, Josh Rosen, you know, he came out, he came in the field. Oh, yay, we cheered. And then he threw a pick a minute later. Yeah. You know, Fitzmagic is not in Miami. Uh, Being a Jets fan, I know what Fitzpatrick is capable of. Uh, My best friend is a Buccaneers fan. So when he got traded to the Bucs last or the year before, and he's like, oh, man, Fitzpatrick here. It's Fitzmagic time and da-da-da-da. And I was like, he's going to give you five great games. Yeah. Five really, really solid play called games where he's going to win for you. Outside of game number five or even in game number five, it's, it, 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 we, you're in danger. And that's exactly what happened in New York. If you remember, uh, he had a stellar season. And then uh, it went to hell in a handbasket, and we started tinkering with Geno Smith and then Bryce Petty. Uh, and then we shipped him off to Tampa. And Fitzpatrick is a good dude. He's a well-educated guy from Harvard. And, you know, I, I just I don't know what it is with him. He, one game, he's, he's Jekyll and Hyde. And unfortunately, at, at this point in the career, I think that uh, Miami is going to get the Hyde uh, uh, instead of uh, 
instead of the Jekyll or vice versa, which everyone was a bad guy. I'm, 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 I'm a little rusty on my old fiction books, but uh, it's, it's not going to be pretty in Miami. I think, uh, I think personally they're going to tank it and they're going to do it from just week two. They kind of figured out where they stand, I think, against the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A lot of players I saw on on social media were wanting to be traded, and yeah, I I, I see this franchise going downhill. Um, they got a loyal fan base down there to a point, but I think it the the Dolphins Aquarium is going to uh, uh, there's going to be an uprising where where Aquaman himself and Poseidon might have to to quell the uh, the non-believers, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to touch on one quick point about it. You know. In my heart, like I said, they're a loyal fan base, and 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 I, and I touched on it when I talk about you should demand more. You know, I understand Brian Flores, great coach, he's a good dude, but he took this job knowing that this was probably the worst job to take. Not because of the city. Hey, the city's great. The team is terrible. I said you had to, Josh Rosen, who right now, quite frankly. He should. He might as well start week two because you have to see at least if he can be a star. Because listen, if Herbert, if you know, if you know Justin Herbert and Tua, if they come out, you, you know the Dolphins may be in that position to draft and they to get a quarterback. I just think there's a lot of problems that organization, even from Kenny Stills, even from that situation on down. It just it felt like the Titanic, and ain't nobody was there to save Jack. All right, no, nobody was there to save it. And nobody was like, you know, and for the record, I support Kate Winslet's decision. Listen, I support the decision. Listen, let him go. And, you know, as for the captain going with the ship, not the, you know, listen, ah, you know, go down with your ship. Listen, if you're Brian Flores, he may want to take a swim out. He's like, I don't know. I have a lifeboat over here. That's cold, because, That's cold. Hey, you know, listen, you know, hey, I, you know, what I'll say is that I like history. And that movie, eh, you know, like I say, you know, the Miami Dolphins right now, they're the worst franchise in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think but we can I, agree on that. Hopefully that's at least two games the Jets can win this season. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. If they don't, I'm like, I'm, I'm flying the metal wings. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what, what? I could, I could and, jump in my car and make the, uh, make the hour and 10-minute drive and see what the hell is going on there with Adam Gase. One thing I do want to touch on the Jets, though, uh, before we move on, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell. You know, round of applause to this man right here. That is, he pulled a a Nate Diaz and said, "I don't have ring rust. I will come out there and I will shove that ball down your throat." I mean, he, he double dipped in the end zone. You know, I mean, he he proved that he can still be a dual threat. Uh, you know, he snagged that uh, two point conversion and he got the touchdown. Uh, so shout out to Le'Veon. Hopefully you can do more of that this season. Um, you know, unfortunately we got the news with uh, Quincy and Nunwa today that he's going to be out for the rest of the season due to an ongoing neck issue. So that really leaves Robbie Anderson, Le'Veon Bell, and then of course our newest addition, uh, Demarius Thomas. Uh, the the trade that we uh, we squared away with New England. So hopefully Thomas still has a little left in him. Uh, he won me a fantasy title a few years ago when he played on uh, Denver. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he can bring one, you know, home for me. I think I actually scooped him up in the uh, in the free agency of one of my other leagues. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen. You know, you know, I, you know, I want, I do want to talk about your Jets because you know, I, I'm, I'm still high on the Jets. 
I really am. That Jets defense, you know, they had four turnovers. Let, let's be clear. And I think we talked about it last week. Greg Williams, as the defensive coordinator, has probably one of the, I can say he's probably one of the top three defensive coordinators in the NFL. He understands, and that changing of the scheme was important. And, you know, and the only the only thing was Sam Darnold, he got sacked four times. And, and listen, it's, it's the Buffalo defense, they, and they added, you know, Ed Oliver in the draft. So they got better. You know, I look, you know, I look at teams like the Jets and I go, listen, getting to Marius Thomas, and I think me, I think I talked about it because our buddy Derek, you know, and uh, we talked about it because he was a former Bronco. And I said, well, if the Jets can get any remnants, if they can get anything from the way he played in Denver, anything, something out of that. The give, Jets me, have give me 50% of what you did in Denver, and that'll be 100% better than the situation we got right now. Absolutely. And that, and that and that's the same thing I say. If you can get some of that, and plus he knows Adam Gase. He was Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator in Denver at that time. So he understands and it's understanding personnel, understanding philosophy. So I just look at that game, I just look at, you know, as a turn of a uh, bad luck. I don't think those four turnovers by that Jets defense let me know that listen, they outplayed Buffalo. Buffalo just made just one play at the end of that game. And they made they made one play at the end of that game. Josh Allen did. But I want to touch on two more two more quick things. You know, Nick Foles got hurt with that his collar. That sucks. Punch. What a what a rough deal. And you know he's good dude. He you know set to have his own. This is this was this, this is his team. And you know he's going to be out in the minimum. He'll probably be back week eleven. And they traded for Joshua Dobbs, the backup for Pittsburgh. You know they gave up a twenty twenty fifth round pick. But you know the the guy they had that Gardner Minshew guy from from Washington State, listen that dude went twenty two of twenty five. Yeah, yeah, he's no slouch. And, and you know back in when he was at Washington State with Mike Leach, we'll talk Washington State a little bit later. Listen, he had the second, he was second in Division One in pass completion percentage in college last season, and he was you know second in passing yards. So, you know, if if I'm Jacksonville right now, I would stick with Minshew. He knows the offense. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't yeah I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't know, do you agree? With, do you think that they should stick with uh, with Minshew for now? Yeah, I think they should stick with Minshew for now. He's been in the offensive rotation as a backup quarterback. You're getting snaps with your your first team. He's got at least somewhat of a relationship developed with the center, the 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 wideouts, the tight ends. His 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 key players for handoff, short throws, long throws. You know, it's it number yeah, like you said. Number one, it sucks to see Foles go down. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Nick. Uh, I loved him when when he was here in Philly. Uh, he got I personally for me. I I'm a little. I'm not an Eagles fan, but you know what? They're kind of the hometown team where I live. Uh, so I'm I'm not a fan, but I'll root for him. I think he got a raw deal uh, in in Philly. He won him a Super Bowl. And then they just they just tucked him back in the closet like a like like Woody with and and Carson Wentz is the new Buzz Lightyear, yeah. and uh, I just I'm not high on Carson Wentz. And now you see Nick go down, so I hope he has a speedy recovery, um, and and he gets well. But yeah, you know, with Jacksonville, stick with what you got. I think Jacksonville's biggest problem has been at the quarterback situation. Um, they had a very complete team the past couple of years. They had a Freaking ridiculous defense. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. 
But I think, and I can't remember the cat's name. I'm having a brain fart right now from UCF, the dude that was the quarterback. Oh, oh yeah, Blake Bortles. Yeah, uh, Blake. Yeah, Blake Buttholes. Uh, yeah, that's actually <laughs> somebody's team team name in the fantasy league. Um, <laughs> you know, Blake was another one of those guys that if he was on, dude, he'll give you 400 yards a game with you know three touchdowns and just pinpoint accuracy. But when he's off, I think I could have put a set of pads on and probably went out there and performed the same, if not better. Um, so hopefully with Jacksonville, they have the answer with Nick Foles. I guess we'll really find out next season. Um, but the other thing is when quarterbacks break that collarbone, I, I, I never see the only one I've ever seen come out. Okay. With that is Aaron Rodgers. If you remember a while of, you know, many quarterbacks that, uh, that have had that busted clavicle, they, they just don't look the same on the field. Uh, hopefully Nick has a full recovery and it's healthy and, uh, you know, we can go on in Jacksonville, but stick with what you got for right now, Jacksonville. Don't try to reinvent the wheel because all you're going to do is just digress in the AFC, and that's already an angry little conference to be in right now. <laughs> and you know what? You're absolutely right. It's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, running backs with knees. You know, it's it's a very – you can get there. like that, And that's what my, my concern with Todd Gurley is for the Rams, is that how healthy is he? Because I saw the workload. It wasn't the greatest workload. And it concerns me, like I said, with certain, you know, every every injury is bad, but to specific players and to specific injuries, like like you say, the collarbone, that's and Rogers is once again probably the outlier that came out okay, you know. But when I but when I go when I when I go to Jacksonville, I I would stick with Minju, you know, I really would. I think that he's the answer. But with Blake Bortles, and I said it once, and I'll say it again. Quarterbacks is a neck up position. Absolutely. And, and you heard me talk about this ad nauseum. I tell people, John Elway, he was built like a quarterback, but from the neck up, he was also a quarterback. I, if John Elway, he, you know, Blake Bortles had a John Elway body, but probably had a Andre Ware neck up situation <laughs> where, where it just wasn't good. Or you could use, you know, Jay Schrader, anybody. He just didn't have the neck up. And and I, and I hope they'll figure it out. You know, that's a good franchise. You know, they got their quarterback. You know, we'll find out next year. This year may be a wash, but Minshew is healthy. You know, but Minshew will be the guy. But I want to talk about one more thing. We're not going to talk about my Falcons. That's, you know, I, I put that in the contract writer. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me hop on that for a second. So I was in Atlanta, of course, during that game. They were playing up there in Minneapolis. There is a lot of angry people walking around on Peachtree. Um, I was actually uh, I was at a conference at the, uh, the the GWCC right across from the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Number one, that is a beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium, whatever they're calling it there. The, the Georgia Dome 2.0. Uh, beautiful stadium. The architect on that did a, did a, a, a lovely job. Uh, where my hotel was, I was on the uh, essentially on the corner of Carnegie and, uh, and Peachtree and uh, this beautiful Marriott property. And um, Sunday, I, I left uh, left my conference, and I uh, went to go grab a, a bite to eat at the Hooters right there uh, on Peachtree. And my lord, there were some pissed off people in there. That was a rough game. I'm not gonna lie. Even with Matty Ice, he 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 did well for me from my fantasy league, but damn, it still didn't help. But what you touched on on workload, so I want to give a shout out to on a workload is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin yeah. Cook had a workload on that game. Jesus. Number one, that man has had some issues with, with his hammy. He had issues at Florida State when he played um, that 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 inhibited him off and on. Uh, and then coming into the NFL, 
Um, it kind of continued, and then of course he was out last season. But I, I'm I'm happy to see that young man uh, back up to par and up to speed. And uh, you know they got a hell of a team out there. Maybe he can bail Kirk Cousins out of all of the Kirk Cousins problems that he'll cause himself. You know, speaking of Kirk Cousins, or should I say Kirk Kissing Cousins? Look, this dude went eight of ten, ninety yards, and he won a game. Look, this dude is like a lot. This dude, like, he gets the lottery ticket. This dude wins every time. <laughs> and I'm like, how, when, when I see a quarterback who literally, every other quarterback, as, as listen, probably whoever, you know, Fitzpatrick or Fitz, probably if you take away that game at quarterback, Kirk Cousins didn't have a great game. He went through the ball 10 times. And, and Dalvin Cook, listen, 21 rushes, 111 yards, two touchdowns, yeah. But when I look at Matt Ryan, that dude went 33 or 46, 304 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He got sacked four times, which to me, that offensive line for Atlanta, once again, still a question mark. Our first round pick, Chris Lindstrom, he's on IR. And I'm like, well, what would he do? That's another injury offensive line we got to figure out. You know, you know, Devontae Freeman, you know, when I see when I see Matt Ryan throw, you know, 46 times, that means we had no running game. We could not run the ball to save our life. And listen, I'm not going to panic because I like Dirk Cutter, the offensive coordinator. Because, listen, this is the Minnesota defense. They're a great defense. They're a top 10 defense in this league. I'm not going to knock them specifically. I'm not. What I will say is that if we continue, and this is week one, at some point we got to get Julio involved. We got to get, listen, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu, there's talent on this offense. The defense didn't really, my God, Kirk Kissing Cousins only had 98 yards. And listen, with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and we held Kirk Kissing Cousins to 98 yards, I can live with that. What I can't live with, we couldn't stop Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, you got you know, 21 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a job on him. Uh, you know, Atlanta... You know, they really pride themselves on their secondary, their linebacker core, their their corners and safeties. Did they I don't know if they didn't know if they had to play a game on Sunday or if they thought maybe it was just a, a dress rehearsal. I I don't know what happened there, but Falcons, you really need to step it up. And uh, you know, cousins, I've got feeling on one team and I've got digs on the other. Step your ass up, cousins. I didn't pick you, but I see you in the wire and I'll get you. If you stop acting like an asshole, start throwing to people. And same thing with you, Matty Ice. When you're throwing, you've got your top receiver that has uh, 31 yards. Come on, man. Where are you at? You know, Hooper was the, the leading receiver with 77 yards. Ridley at 64 and, and Sanu at 57. And, of course, I had Sanu on the bench because the, the logical person would say, well, why would I start Sanu over Julio Jones? But, you know, to each his own, unfortunately. Yeah, and, you know, you hit on the point I said about Matty Ice. And, look, you know, like I say, Dirt Cutter is a hell of an upgrade from Steve Sarkeesian. You know, I think as Dirt Cutter understands the system, he understands it. But, you know, but, my God, Kirk Kissing Cousins. My cousin is better than Kirk Cousins. That jag off, 98 yards, and this dude wins. I'm like, he's the dude who who gets all the breaks. And and you want to he's I won't say he has a punchable face I don't want to get sued but 
like every time he's he, like he's a good guy. He had, he drives a mo- a nice modest car, but I just want to punch his face because dude, you can't. I want to see him because I think they have a couple of primetime games. That's when you'll see, folks. Listen, like the fan of the opera, this dude's the fan, and when he takes off that mask, it's an ugly sight. I'm telling people right right now. Damn it, man. And because listen, I just don't like that dude. Listen, you know, it, you know, it, it could sound like a, a miss. I, I just don't like him. The numbers say I, I I don't like him. This dude, you know, we're talking about paying Dak. This dude right now, Kirk Cousins, like he's a top ten paid quarterback. He's paying. He he's, and he's a top ten douche. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense from a logical perspective. But anyway, I I digress there. And the one last thing I want to talk about was the Monday night game with the Texans and the Saints. First and foremost, great game. You know, great game. But I want to talk about Deshaun Watson. He got sacked six times. Last year, that dude got sacked 62 times last year. 62 times. That's too many hits for his little body. And, and, And it reminded me a lot of what the situation was with Andrew Luck. Before they invested in the offensive line, Andrew Luck was terrible. At you know, he wasn't terrible. He was he couldn't get the ball out because his offensive line couldn't protect him. And he took a lot of hits. And and Deshaun Watson, super talented dude. And that's why they went and traded for Laramie Tunsil, but it didn't help. It didn't help. So I ran some numbers. You know, and speak it transitions to me to talk about Mitchell Trubisky because they were all in that 2017 draft class. Like Deshaun Watson. 24 games, he has 48 touchdowns. So he he averaged two touchdowns a game. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, and that's the dude I want to talk about. Folks, listen. I understand it's Chicago. I get it. The best quarterback you had is, you know, was dead. He, you know, was probably, it doesn't even matter, folks. I can't remember. I'm not going to say Jim McMahon. He was great in the Super Bowl shuffle, but that's it. My thing is with, with Mitchell Trubisky, 27 games, the dude has 31 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. That's in 27 games. Do you know who else was drafted in 2017, perchance, Chris? Who's that? Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. The Bears sitting there at two, sitting at two looking like a bunch of dopes. We'll get Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina. Folks. Folks, the best thing that came out of North Carolina was Michael Jordan and Lawrence Taylor. And the last time I checked, MJ couldn't get baseball right. Have so you ever had some North Carolina barbecue? I have not. How is North Carolina barbecue? Good. That's the other thing that came good, good out of Carolina. Carolina, there they, you've go. got a good, tangy barbecue. If you can find yourself a shitty little rib shack, if you're ever in North Carolina, or like a little barbecue joint on the side of some lonely little highway, stop there. I promise you won't be disappointed. I'm going to make a note of that. And and they got Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes has played 18 games in his NFL career. He has 53 touchdowns and only 13 interceptions. People will say, well, Darius, what's your point? And I'm going to make this point because the, I always tell people, Mitchell Trubisky is not a franchise quarterback. You've heard me say it. Folks, I understand. Oh, he got drafted by John Fox defense. Okay, yaggity, yaggity, yag. The point's superfluous. The point is that He's not. He improved under Matt Nagy, but once again, the problem is in Chicago's. Listen, this dude showed you 
against Green Bay, he showed you that I just don't think he's the guy. I just don't think he's the guy. And anybody can sit there and say, oh, well, no, he's just not the guy. And the numbers, and that's the one thing that I learned about the quarterback position, especially this week. For God's sakes, if Case Keenan could put over 300 yards and Mitchell Trubisky can't, and in Case Keenum, you know, Denver said, no, we'll take Joe Flacco Wacko. We'll take that guy over Case Keenum. And lets me know that if you don't get the quarterback position right, Miami, Miami needs everything right. <laughs> but the point is, the price is wrong, as Bob Barker would say, in opposite land. Quarterback position matters. Go ask Jacksonville. Nick Foles, he's done. We might, listen, quarterback position matters in this league. Week one showed me that, listen, if you don't have a halfway decent quarterback, not named Kirk Kissing Cousins, you can win in this league. And and that's one of the observations. Deshaun Watson, protect, you know, protect your assets. That's all I say is protect your assets. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the one thing, as much as I hate the New England Patriots, Tom, and, and I, I've gotten so much hate for saying this. Tom Brady was an average quarterback in college. He was a six-round pick out of Michigan. There's nothing that stands out about him. He doesn't run fast. He doesn't throw further than other quarterbacks. He's he he's a consistent and like you said, he's a head up quarterback. He plays from the head up. Tom Brady's a very smart individual. He he uh, he manages the game incredibly well. But the key to his success has always been the offensive line in New England. Up until I would say the past two years, the man never really got sacked a lot. You know, he'd he'd get a good lick on him every once in a while, but you're gonna get that I in, in any game. You know, that, that's that's just what comes with the uh the job. But Tom Brady was always protected and he's an average quarterback. He is proof that you can take an average quarterback and put him in a system and make him and make him great. He's not a great athlete. He runs like a giraffe on ice. It's clearly fucking apparent that he can't catch a ball that was shown in the super bowl against the uh uh the eagles when they tried the philly special and blew up in their face uh but the man can make those short throws and he can operate in an environment where he is protected and that if it can work for tom brady it can work for your boy kirk cousins it could work for matty ice it could work for nick Foles. it can work for anybody just like you said protect your assets if you have a giant diamond, you're not going to sit it in your living room. You're going to keep it in a fucking safe. These quarterbacks are your giant diamonds. You're paying these guys money. Keep them safe, for Christ's sakes. Absolutely. Listen, how, is, how do I know that? Listen, the, the Rams just gave Jared Goff a, a four-year extension, $110 million guaranteed. How do I – listen, Jared, go look at Jared Goff. Before before Sean McVay, he got stuck with Jeff Fisher. Okay, who listen, folks? Not a, listen historically, not great with quarterbacks. And all of a sudden, he gets fired. They draft Sean McVay, and the guy, and the guy, all of a sudden, looks like he can't be touched. He looks, he, folks. I say people, the folks. The matter is, it goes back to what you say, Chris. I think he, like with Tom Brady, the system matters. And I argue this, is that with Jared Goff, Jared Goff is, I don't say necessarily a system guy, but with, look what he was without Sean McVay. And look what he is now, a rich man in L.A. Yeah. And, and Tom Brady, I, and like I said, I don't think you necessarily didn't say anything wrong. Absolutely not. The one thing that you said was true. This dude, and let's just be honest, 
the dude was average. The dude didn't really start at Michigan. Okay. And and for the record, look, if if Drew Bledsoe wouldn't have took that hit out of bounds, if we were to play reverse history, Drew Bledsoe would still be the quarterback and Drew, and and Tom Brady would be somewhere in Michigan selling car insurance. So he wouldn't be he wouldn't be in the league. We could have a whole different discussion. And I tell people, protect you. All New England did was invest in a system and they invested in Tom Brady. That's it. And I'm not saying that every team, you know, every team hasn't done that. But I go go look at Pittsburgh where they drafted Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, I believe, had Tommy Maddox, a veteran there, just like what Tom Brady had with Drew Bledsoe. You have to get him to buy in the system. That's all it is. I'm not saying Roethlisberger wouldn't be great with without a system because he's had multiple offensive coordinators. But if Tom Brady was really valuable, and people get upset when I say this, remember the first one, the first play of the season when he got knocked out? It was the versus, uh-huh. the, versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-huh. And, and you know who took that job? Matt Castle. Matt White Castle took the job. Man, I love me some White Castle. It's fantastic. And you know what? And guess what? You know how, you know what the record was for New England that year? They were like 11 and 5, 12 and 4. And what does that tell me? You plug so, in anybody. You plug in any dude in there, the dude can win. And I'm not trying to before, you know, I think we know a couple of Patriot fans. So listen, I don't sit like listen at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram, Facebook Facebook page at you know Sports and the World. Listen, you can send the comments on it. What me and Chris, and I, I'm not speaking for Chris because he's a smart dude. I think what we're both saying is that it's a happens of circumstance. That's all we're saying. Like you know, to me, talent wise, Aaron Rodgers is way more talented than Tom Brady. Okay. Sound agree. And he's funnier. And he's funnier. Exactly. And he has that nice mustache. You know, you know, so that ain't a mustache. That's a porn stash from the eighties. Yeah. That you know, Aaron Rodgers did something. He knows he's with Danica Patrick. So, you know, listen, he 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 understands life. But so, you know, I I want to delve in before we delve into college, you know, me and Chris were gonna put up our week two picks on the Facebook page. Sports in the world, and for the record, folks, listen, it pains me to say it. Chris won. Listen, he went ten five and one. I went nine six and one. So, so Chris, you won for this week. All right, all right, all right. And like I say, you know, Big Ben. The only touchdown that happened in that city was when they touched down back to Pittsburgh. That's <laughs> only like, like Jesus, like. Because really, what we differed on, listen, I shouldn't have listened, folks. I went with Atlanta. I went with, I tried to trust us, and then, listen, didn't work. Blew up in my face. You know, but listen, at the, you know, but like this, you know, listen, I went with the Cowboys over the Giants. Listen, I understand people don't like the, I don't know, like Dallas. They're they're like the New York Yankees of football. I get it. Except but, we actually win. Yeah, there you go. And, no, and no. you know, I like pinstripes, too. So, because the, they make you look slimmer, and I like anything that makes me look slimmer. So, my my biggest thing is, is that you know, there's a takeaways from week one to kind of put a button on it. I think what we learned is Miami's going to be terrible. I think what, what what we also learned, I think, is that the AFC, I just still think it's wide open. I just don't think that even though New England, you know, did what they did. I think the AFC is kind of like now the Western Conference of, of the NBA, where I'm, I, you know, New England, 
you know, just like for basketball, you have the Lakers now, the Clippers. You know, you have a couple of top teams, but there are a couple of other teams there. If they can figure out certain things, they could contend. And like I say, I like the Chargers. Like, I don't like the way that they, you know, play, but Jacoby Percet, you know, I thought that game was going to be a blowout. I honestly did. But I, I do feel that the AFC, listen, there's a lot more contenders, and I believe that New England understands that. But listen, they got Miami next week, so I don't know if Tom Brady's going to even show up to work. You know, you know, he, he, he may, he, he may calling, show up. Calling a sick day. He's like, all right, all right, Bill, I'll, couple, I'll throw a couple of pads. I got some fantasy. I'm on a fantasy team myself. So he'll come in, couple, throw about four touchdowns. You know, he'll be just pulled out, out by halftime, I think. Yeah, and then we'll see, we'll see Jared Stenham, folks. Oh, who is he? Oh, you'll, you'll find out. You'll find out Sunday. You'll find out. But any other thoughts on uh on week one before we move on? I'm just happy it's back, man. Uh, Jets, get your shit together, please. Uh, I'd actually like to wear my uh, my new jersey out in public. I got one of the all black editions, the uh, the 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 murdered out black on black. I want to wear it in public. It looks cool. Please don't make me the laughing stock of all my friends more than you have to, Jets. And uh, Miami, I hope you figure something out because. Uh, who am I lying? I hope you don't. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Like I tell people, people say, "Oh, I don't like you know, I don't like accidents." Folks, you know, you stopped and look. Like you pray that people are okay in the accident, mind you. It's like but, watching a train hit a car. Exactly. You're like, "Oh, I hope everybody's okay," but like, man, I can't turn away. It's like it's like I say that that's how that that Dolphins game felt, folks. Listen, that you know, Dwayne Wade retired. You know, that city's been through a lot. But listen, the Hurricanes are going to – we're going to talk about them, but folks. It's, listen, you know, you know, Will Smith may have alluded to, you know, Miami, you know, Miami being this great. But all I'm saying is that, listen, I'm just saying, you know, Tampa's not that bad either. That's all I'm going to say before I get, before I get sued by the city of Miami. But, so I, I want to transition into college football. But once again, Chris and I will going to post our week two picks – Starting with you know with Carolina with Tampa and Carolina, on the Facebook page it'll be after the podcast, and let's see if I can get my bearings back because once again Big Ben, don't 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 text me anymore, but yeah, I don't hear excuses, but I want to talk about week two in college football because I think we learned a lot in week two. I know it's week two, but I want to get some of your thoughts on some of the games. That you know, and some of your thoughts and reactions on some of the games from week two of college football before we delve into week three. Let me tell you, one of the most exciting games I think I've watched in a long time was LSU at Texas. Yes, yes. That I I, I said it the uh, last week in our in our podcast that that was going to be the game of the week and that was going to be the one to watch. And I said Texas, if you want to be taken seriously, you got to walk out with a win. Now, I'm still going to to a point stick to that, but I'm going to I'm I'm going to double talk myself. Texas, you got my respect out of that game. You know, it was a close game, it was 45-38. Uh, I mean, with, you know, you had Josh Burrow throwing 471 yards, which is just while well, the run game, you know, brought another umpteen million yards into the uh into the game. That was just a hell of a game from kickoff into the end. 
Um, LSU, they're they've always been a powerhouse out west, and that is that is the SEC right there. Um, the Big Twelve, if Texas can play like that against everyone else in the Big Twelve, oh boy, there that transferred from Alabama and went to Oklahoma, he's going to be in for a rude awakening if he has to play Texas in uh, in any type of of divisional or conference title game. Um, that was a great game. The one that kind of let me down a little bit. Uh, was the the Clemson A and M game? Um, I thought it would I, I I thought it would be a better game to be honest. It was a low scoring game. It was twenty four ten. Clemson came out and and they you know they won. I mean there's there's nothing I can, they they played a hell of a game. That's that that's a that's that's a tough game for A and M to play against. Jimbo Fisher knows how to play against Clemson. Unfortunately, that one it just it didn't go in his favor. Um, but it, that that was that was just a, a a rough game. Plus, when you're playing in Death Valley, that's a hard stadium to play in. We talked about it, I think, on the first podcast we did together about the acoustics of of stadiums. Uh, Death Valley is ranked one of the loudest stadiums. I, I think it's uh, uh, LSU. Uh, Clemson and I want to say Florida are like the three loudest acoustically uh, in in college football, and it's just, of course just building designs and so on and so forth. But that's a that's a tough place to go in and win to begin with, especially with how hot Clemson's been. Uh, you know that was that again that was a tough game to watch. I I I, I called Clemson to win. I just I thought that A and M would keep it just a smidge closer than fourteen points. Uh, two shock factors this week. Number one, FSU. I don't know where you're at right now, but this <laughs> is football season, guys. Um, it, it it pleasures me to watch you guys lose, but it also pains me to watch you guys play so horrible. It's it's because it's it's like I want to be the one to stab Julius Caesar and 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 say I did it. When when Florida just completely crushes Florida State this year, I'm going to enjoy that. But I'd rather see them have a winning season and us ruin it than for their morale to be so far out the window that they're only just showing up because they are pretty much contractually obligated to a scholarship. Um, the fact that you almost lost to, to UL Monroe um, is, is sad. Uh, thankfully, that kicker missed. Uh, that was a very big pressure game for someone that probably will never play in that size stadium again in his entire collegiate career. Um, you, UL Monroe, you did good. Um, you, you, you kept punching Florida State and you pushed them against the ropes. Um, Seminoles, you are in for a long season. First and foremost, I, I will create the hashtag. I know it's already been out there. Mia Khalifa posted it. Fire Willie Taggart. Florida State, get rid of him. Get your D.C. to hold down the fort until next season. Willie Taggart is a cancer for your program. He will run you guys into the ground. You will not beat Boston College. You are now the – you are, Virginia is slotted to beat you right now, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Get – get your you guys are in your own way. Get Willie Taggart out of there. Try to salvage your season and start over again next year. Uh, the other game, and this is why I have minimal respect for the Big Ten – is is Michigan versus Army. Now, if this game was uh, uh, a combat zone, 
I would expect Army just to demolish them and, and, and beat them up the way that they did. Michigan, whoever you pray to, thank them. Say another Hail Mary or something. You got lucky that you that you walked out of that game alive. That was an embarrassment to the Michigan program. That was an embarrassment to the Big Ten. And that's why I don't have respect for the Big Ten, is that all these teams preach about how great they are, and then you can go and get trucked by uh, – uh, an army and almost lose to the army or last year with Ohio state losing to, to Purdue. I just, I don't respect teams that do this. Michigan is it, what pissed me off is they came in ranked at the top 25 higher than us, even though we completely trashed them in a bowl game last year, we embarrassed Michigan in a bowl game. Somehow the eight, the AP top 25 preseason poll puts them ahead of us, even though we beat them. And then for some godforsaken reason that they're still, even competitive on there be, and they almost lost the army. Well, I don't even know when the last time army was ranked, you know, uh, the only reputable team the army plays is the Navy. That's it. I mean, who else do they play? Notre Dame maybe, but even then Notre Dame's another overhyped program, but at least they'll blow out a team like army Michigan ashamed. I'm ashamed of you guys. Other than that, uh, you know, everything else kind of went according to plan. Uh, of course, Miami, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, guys, you're you're owing to put the turnover chains away and the rings and the backpacks and all this other stupid shit you got on the sideline. Try to win a game and then bring out your bling. The only time you should bring bling out right now is if you got one chain with an O and then another chain with a two to show you your record. O and two, guys. Trash. UNC... Again, they're not that great of a school. Christ, Mitchell Trubisky came out of there. Yeah. You know, yeah. get out of here. That's my thoughts on week two. Oh, and the fact that the Florida Gators put an absolute shit stomping on UT Martin. Florida State, Miami, uh, uh, Michigan, Though that's what you're supposed to do. When you're playing a gimme game like Army or UL Monroe, you beat them 45-0 to and you make them look senseless. You don't almost lose. Take notes, kids. Exactly. You know what? That's why I love you, my man. You know what? You know, you know, you know. If 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 they say that, listen, I'm not even gonna push back. I'm 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 gonna go with you know you know like in the mood like I like to start start with the serious stuff and I will work my way down to to the comical, which is oh I, oh hey, is Tennessee is Tennessee on the line? Yeah, keep them there. I'm not even. And, I don't even want to talk about Tennessee. They're they're just so, they're disgrace. I'll, I'll, Oh, I'll take care of that for you. Yeah, you took care of FSU for me. I'll take care of Tennessee for you. You know, like the song says, that's what friends are for. And but like I say, with LSU and Texas, you know, one of those can kick off the start. You know, like I say, with Joe Burrow, listen, thirty-one of thirty-nine. You know, I I love accuracy. You know, thirty-one of thirty-nine. Like you said, four seventy-one, four touchdowns, one interception. But listen, Sam Ellinger, listen, he wasn't a slouch either. 31 of 47, 401 yards passing. He didn't have any, and he had four touchdowns and no interceptions. And listen, and like you say, Texas might be back. I'm not, I'm not one of those dudes who are going to say, oh, they're back. Like, you know how Kenny Smith says, oh, the duck contest is back? Stop. Just stop, Kenny. And Kenny, by the way, he went to UNC. But the point is, the point is, is that, listen, they only had one true running back on the depth chart. The backup was a true freshman quarterback. They were hurt in that position. And for them to hang around, for, you know, hang around that whole game, 
and to 45-38, I give Texas a lot of credit. They're not bad because, listen, they got to avoid trap games. If they can beat Oklahoma, then we can revisit that conversation. But listen, I'm going to give a shout-out to a guy who who I say I didn't trash him, but Ed Ogeron. Listen, Big O fits in the Big Easy. Listen, he went out, and what good programs do, You listen, SEC money, folks, it's good money. I keep telling people that. It's good money. It's legit money. And he went out and got a passing game coordinator, Joe Brady. He got him from the New, England, from the New Orleans Saints. He went out and made him the passing game court. And Joe Burrow, I could argue right now, maybe one of the top five quarterbacks in the country. LSU quarterback. You know, LSU, we talk about defense. We talk about run game. You know, that offense is legit. LSU looked a lot like a spread. They looked, honestly, they looked like a Big 12 team in terms of offense, but that defense still played like the SEC. They still played tough. And listen, you know, with Big O, listen, that dude right now, when I look at Ed Ogeron, you know, I look at, you know, like big, you know, Big O's car, you know, like an insurance, he knows like a car salesman to me. Like he can sit there, <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm Big O, it's Big O's autos. You know, listen, I'd buy, I'd buy a Miata off of that, man. I can't fit in a Miata. So, but I would buy it because, listen, he, he's, listen, he, this is his program. He, you know, some coaches just fit. Like, even though he was terrible at Old Miss, he fits in after coming off that Les Miles debacle, how LSU screwed the pooch on that. He came in and took over a program and kind of revitalized it. And listen, I wasn't so – I'm not going to say he's a top five – listen, like I say, that that LSU-Florida game, listen, win that. I think you and I are both circling that game. Uh-huh. And I think – but you know what? LSU put Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Florida. They put them all on notice. And by the way, they play Florida October 12th in LSU, and they go at Alabama in November. If LSU, and and I think we kind of talked about it, LSU right now, if they play that way against Texas, who is a top 10 team, LSU could be one of those teams where we talk about and go, we got uh, listen, and that you know, hopefully Alabama, you know, you know, barring if Alabama separates from the union, should be undefeated at that point, unless all their play all their players get suspended for some reason, for you know, for taking a buck off a of a booster. That's how bad the NCAA is, folks. Trust me. <laughs> so, you know, Alabama should be undefeated, and that's going to be probably another classic because they play great games anyway. You know, like I say, Texas A&M and Clemson, the only thing I'm going to say is that, listen, I, we talked about it. That 19 half spread was hilarious, folks. It was hilarious. I said there's no way Clemson's going to blow out Texas A&M. Texas A&M did not play their best game. But, you, but what really killed Texas A&M was penalties. They had nine penalties. Clemson only had four. When you're on the road and you're playing, you're playing a, a team like Clemson, you can't. You got to be smart with the ball. And Clemson, they held Texas A&M to 53 yards rushing. Because Kellen Mond, you know, he had 236 yards passing. He didn't have the greatest game. He went 24-42. And, you know, and I want to eat some humble pie. Like Kendrick Lamar says, I'm going to sit down and be humble on this one. UCF, you did what you had to do. You blew out. I, I called an upset special. And I got fooled by a pretty face in Lane Kiffin. That will never happen again. 
It's like you get, you know, folks, like, you know what I'm talking about. You get fooled by that pretty face, like, oh, I'll do anything. That's how I felt. You know, listen, it's kind of, listen, Tanya Hardick, listen, she did it to, and she did the Jeff Gluley, and they're having a Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan. Listen, Glue's like, I'll do anything for you, Tanya. Like, really? Why? Why? Sorry, folks. <laughs> listen, not a lot of figure skaters watch the show, so I, I'm safe in that. And if you do, like Demi Lovato says, sorry, not sorry. But, but my biggest question mark for UCF is the quarterback position. They still they had eight of twenty, two and sixty, and that was combined with two quarterbacks in there. They can run the ball. I need to see position. And we're going to talk about them. You know, when we talk about week three, Stanford, USC. You know that Kel, you know Kellen Slovis, the listen that freshman who replaced JT Daniels. That dude had twenty eight of thirty three, three hundred seventy seven yards. Impressive. It really was. Three touchdowns. He had a 210 QBR. QBR in, in college football is kind of like putting a weight scale at Publix. Like, you see that deli and you eat that stuff. Why would you have a scale there to make me look bad? Got yeah, it. that's Chicken tender subs from Publix. My God. You know, for the record, folks, listen, I hope, you know, if Publix sponsors this podcast, listen, I will sell the hell out of your subs. In fact, I live right near Publix. If you need me to go in there and sample things, give me a call. I'll tell my clients, listen, I got to go. Why? I can't tell you. But the point is, listen, I think that, listen, Kellen Slovis had a great game. Listen, Stanford, they played very well. But, oh, by the way, folks, and you already covered Army and Michigan for me. You know, hats up to you. I want to talk about Tennessee. Folks, listen, I keep, like, like FS who, listen, the only 10 that I see is 0 and 10. Okay, that's the only 10 I see, folks. It's one thing to lose to Georgia State. I get it. You know, you know, you, you know, got that Rocky Mountain air. You know, listen, I get it. You know, Rocky, you know, Rocky, no, listen, Rocky, stop. Tennessee, stop. It took you overtime to lose to BYU. <laughs> listen, you're, Tennessee is 0, 0 2 for the first time since 1988. You waited till the year I was born. That's when you were great. And you know what I said? I said, Tennessee, this has to stop. Message received. Folks, BYU, they never led the game until overtime. You had these bums beat. My God, you, BYU took the lead in overtime. And you know what? You outscored them just like you did last week with Georgia State. Listen, Tennessee, you outscored them 418 to 339, which is still unacceptable, by the way. Jeremy Pruitt, defensive guy. Listen, you and Taggart need to start looking for real estate. Yo, get good realtor because you need to get the hell out of town. You don't belong. Because listen, if you can't turn around a program, listen, a major program in three years, you need to leave. Because you're going to get the recruits. You're going to get the talent. It's the system, coaching, and the quarterback. Listen, they don't have the coaches there. And like you say about fire, you and Khalifa, listen, Willie Taggart should have been fired yesterday. He should have been fired the minute he took that job, folks. And, I'm, and I have a great stat about FSU when we talk about one of their games. Talk about who they, Virginia. But, folks, let me tell you something right now. I'm going to go back to Tennessee. I told you, America. Ask my buddy. I told you. I said last week, BYU, listen, I'm not, listen, you, they could have had the California Penal League play Tennessee. They could have had the Miami Sharks. They could have had literally the re- Shane Falco and the re- replacement team play Tennessee. Good. And I still, 
and I still would have picked Shane Falco in that team. Tennessee is garbage because first and foremost, fan base is terrible. What's it? Rocky stop. Hashtag Rocky stop. Stop. It's over. It's over. Listen, when you go over to listen and then you start SEC play, folks. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> you said it better than I did. I keep telling you people, listen, like I told you, listen, Tennessee is like that girl across the room or that guy across that room. Like, oh, man, they look real good. So Tennessee starts walking up and you hit that light switch and you see who the monster really is. That's Tennessee. They're monsterly. They're garbage. I keep telling people that. So, folks, if you're in a club, always have great lighting. So that's another life lesson. I think, you know, I think, you know, you know, listen, you rip FSU, Tennessee. They're going to think, oh, well, we're Florida. Guy. Listen, folks, listen, we can't help that we're honest. Listen, I'm not saying anything that's out of context. That, that's that's facts, my guys. It's facts. Ex- exactly. That, 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 like I said last week, listen, we only operate in facts around here. We give you numbers. You know, listen, <sighs> listen, the only 10 I see Tennessee is 0 and 10. Sorry. Sorry. Ooh. Hey, hey, pay, hey, paid man, paid man has no eligibility left. So, folks, yeah. listen, the last time you guys won a national championship, T. Martin was your quarterback. Folks, I believe that's a case dismissed. I'm taking my briefcase. I'm going to public to get a sub. We're done here with Tennessee. I told you, I'm not picking them to be favored in any game the rest. Like, don't like, if you hit me up on Twitter, it's a game at Sports the World. Oh, why do you hate Tennessee? Listen, first of all, it's Tennessee. Case, their shade of orange is terrible. So, and that's your daily FSU Tennessee ripping sponsored by Publix. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that felt good. It always feels good. Now, let's transition into the week three of college football and tell me a couple of games you got, my man, that you're looking at. Uh, you know, there's, there's actually some good ones in week three. Uh, again, I'm going to pick on them. Uh, FSU, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. You're literally, stuff. you're you are slotted to lose against a Virginia program. Well, like what? Why? 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 That's all I can ask myself. Uh, you know, there there's there's some interesting games going on this week, uh, and then there's some not so interesting ones. Uh, you know, FSU, guys. I I honestly I. I, I I think, and I'm just I'm I'm rolling the dice on this one. If they lose this week, I think Wally Taggart's gone by the time the plane lands back in Dope Campbell, well, not in Dope Campbell, but in Tallahassee. I think he'll be gone. So Taggart, your job's on the line, buddy. You know you better play like it. Um, another game that's just kind of poking curiosity um, is the Clemson Syracuse game. Uh, you know Syracuse isn't. A great team. They're not a terrible team. Um, they're, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I, Clemson has my eye this season. As much as I don't like them, uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, the joke of the week is Ohio State and Indiana. Um, you know, it, again, they're going to get on and these Ohio, oh, we beat Indiana 700 to zero. Well, that's cute. It's Indiana. You're expected to. But you know what? I'll give respect to Ohio State. They actually blow out their gimme games, which are 10 out of the 12 games a season they play. 
because uh, they don't play anybody of, of substance or talent. You know, I used to think that that Michigan was some substance, but with them almost, I mean, it's so bad they had to take a they had to call in this week. Michigan did okay. uh, to, to recover from the army, and then uh, I think they're they're going in deep in the week after. So I'm curious about that. Uh, you got some proving ground games. You know, Stanford's a reputable program. You got UCF playing uh, in Orlando against Stanford. Um, you know, the rest of them are, are kind of no, you know, no brainers. Georgia, at Arkansas State, uh, UNC at Wake. You know, the 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 one that that is going to be uh, a fun one for me to watch personally is going to be the Florida Kentucky game. Um, a because Kentucky is still high off that that miracle win they got last season, which broke a twenty nine year loss record. It's going to restart again uh, this year. So you got your win last year. Congratulations. Back to the salt mines you go. Uh, I I don't remember the player that they lost, but I, I know one of their guys is done for the season. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so Terry, Terry Wilson, yeah. Yes, yeah. You know, So that's only going to make things worse for Kentucky. Uh, I expect Florida to, to march into uh, in the U.K.'s uh, Kroger Field and just, just put a shit stomping on them. Um, you know, some other ones, you know, there's really not a lot of, this is one of the weeks I'm going to say there's not a lot of great games. Oregon's playing Montana. So they're going to come out and say, oh, we beat Montana 7,000 to zero in our cute uniforms. Whoopee. You know, uh, but this is definitely a week that, uh, there's to me, not a lot of great games on this week. You know, you know, and, and I agree. It was, it was hard to find a couple of good games, you know, but you know, the one, inter- one of the ones that interests me of the couple, you know, is, you know, Washington State, you know, versus Houston in, in, at Energy Stadium in Houston. It's a neutral game, folks. D- listen, I'm not, once the NCAA, d- d- don't ask me. But, but what I like about this game, like Mike Leach is like the uncle, like the drunk uncle at the party. Listen, he's going to say some things, but listen, he knows what he's talking about. Listen, this air raid offense that you – that you know that high-powered offense that you know Cliff Kingsbury learned, all these guys have learned started with Mike Leach, and you know listen we talked about Gardner Minshaw earlier, you know Mike Leach has the guy right now, Anthony Gordon, he's second in passing yards, 184, and you know in passing yards an attempt he's second to that, with 14.4 he's right behind Jalen Hurts. You know but also Washington State listen they're they're here's here's the folks here's the one that clinches it. Washington State is fifth in points right now, 58 points a game. That's fifth. That's fifth. And Houston is only 56. They only have 34. And, you know, their coach in, you know, Houston, Dana Holgerson, listen, that guy's headline. You thought LeBron James' hairline was receding? Go look at Dana Holgerson, folks. <laughs> hair club for men. They, listen, hair club for men can only save so many people a year. But... You know, Dana Holgerson versus top 25 teams is 9 and 19. And I trust, I think Washington State's going to beat them. Listen, Washington State's favorite by 7. I think that's fair. I think it's a close game. I think Washington State just out and duels Houston. And also, giving some more love to the Pac-12, more love than they deserve, is, you know, USC at BYU. BYU coming up that big win at Tennessee. But like I said, that Slovis kid, listen, he's the guy for the Trojans. He's the key. And, you know, with BYU, can they get back-to-back wins versus top programs? Listen, Tennessee, I know, folks, they're a program, they exist. It's not like Pangea where they're just kind of broken off into a plate. They exist. 
but you know they exist. And like with BYU, like historically, they're twenty nine and forty seven versus the Pac twelve, and they're zero and two versus USC. And, and by the way, BYU, listen, I love you. Well, this week maybe, but they're one hundred and twenty seventh in rush defense. They can't stop the run. But USC, they're ninety second in pass defense. So basically, what I'm simply saying is. If USC can run the ball, this game is over by the half. And Slovis, listen, and Matt Leinard and all these guys can sit there and cheer, and Mark Sanchez. That, FYI, Mark Sanchez has a job at ABC. Folks, you know, miracles happen every day. The old dirty Mark, Sanchez, Mr. Yeah, Butt Fumble. Mr. B- yeah, folks, that should be on his resume. The ABC see that? Okay. Hey, Butt Fumble? All right, he's on. So... But I like USC. I like the way they're playing. Listen, I rag on Clay Helton, but folks, you'll see why I rag on Clay Helton when they get into into Pac-12 play. And you know, I want to you know Stanford, you know UCF. I'm just gonna go over. Listen, that Stanford defense, they're 75th. UCF is 10th. And but here, who's who, here's who UCF played. And this is what I always say: who you play matters. UCF played FAMU and FAU. Or, for those who, who may not know, this is the actual teams where they play. Let's see. They played, let's see, Degrassi Junior High. And then they played, hmm, is that school right? You sure they played that school? And they played, is that is that Bayside? And Bayside. So. Damn, so, that's gold, man. <laughs> and they went at Bayside. So, listen, they got a view of beautiful Palm Bay. So, that's what, you know, Stanford has played. They played Northwestern, and they went at USC. I look at this game and and UCF has got seven and a half. I'm not gonna say. Listen, I tried. I, I have one upset special that blew up in my face with UCF. UCF should win this game, and then if they win this game, they should be favored pretty much every way, every game the rest of the season. Oh yeah, if you look who they're playing, they've got Pitt, uh, UConn, Cincinnati, East Carolina, Temple, Houston, Tulsa, Tulane, and and USF. The only real two semi-reputable programs outside of Stanford is is uh, Houston and, and USF for the war, war of I-4. But Temple, didn't Temple almost beat them last year? I think Temple put like 500 and something passing yards on yeah. them. Yeah, it was them. Uh, Tulsa and Tulane, I mean, those are beat-up programs. I mean, teams like FSU and Florida and I'll even – dare say Miami play those guys is like a like a, for a sparring match just, just to kind of work the kinks out you know knock the uh knock the tightness on the pads off and uh and and the carry on with business but you know I, I don't know we'll see you know if 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 UCF can go and beat uh Stanford I'll give them a little bit of respect again I just I don't take UCF's program that seriously granted yes they did win a while back and they they pretend that they're the undefeated national champions um lsu smoke checked them in a bowl game uh you know i mean hell they almost lost the navy last year yeah, but, yeah. yeah that's that's all i gotta say yeah temple i'm looking at the score here 52 to uh to 40 temple put 40 points on them last season and you know come on guys Exactly, and I think if I'm not mistaken, when they played Memphis, they almost lost to Memphis. Yeah, yeah, and, 30, 31-30. So, and this is the point I try to get. I think a, a buddy of ours, Jonathan, he's he's a huge UCF guy, 
And I get it. It's a great school. Mickey Mouse shows up. You know, great. Whoopity-doo. But, folks, if you expect me to take you seriously, folks, be, I'm not saying you blow at everybody every week, but my word, at least win by double digits. It, it, I, and I don't think that's too much to ask for. I really don't. Because here's the thing, UCF. They don't even have a quarterback. And yet, when you're playing Degrassi and Bayside, you, you know, you're you're expected to be tenth in in total defense. You're expected to. Like, you want me to pat your back for beating teams that you should beat in your sleep? No. If Stanford and listen, I love the hell out of David Shaw. I've always said it that if there was a next NFL coach at the college level, I've always said it's David Shaw because he because he's the one that kind of mentored him and Harbaugh, helped mentor Andrew Luck. David Shaw has, and David Shaw's a smart guy. Given, like, listen, KJ Costello, their star quarterback, expected to come back in this game. Listen, I tell UCF, I'm not, I'm just saying be on upset alert because I think Stanford needs that win after getting, you know, shellacked by by USC. They need this win. I'm not saying it's a signature win for Stanford, but if UCF can somehow win this game, I'll take them slightly seriously. It's like me saying I will slightly eat more vegetables. Like I always say, I do. But look, if if you put a if you put a steak there and something else, you know, it's just not going to happen, folks. If you put a steak in a salad, I'll, I may eat a lettuce. I may eat a leaf. That's how I feel about UCF. UCF is the salad. I may look at I may look at UCF and be like, hmm, that's tempting. But that's it. When I look at that steak, I look at teams who can actually go out and win double digits. And quite frankly, UCF hasn't done that enough for me to say, okay, they're great. You're supposed to be who you're supposed to be. And I also want to touch on Florida State, Virginia, like you did. Folks, you know, if I'm Willie Taggart, man, just pack your Hashtag fire Willie. Exactly. Hashtag fire Willie. Hashtag can we get Khalifa on this show? And because, ah, man. I don't think, you know, I think we're both going to, I think we're going to be early for that. I think... We've been prepping for hours, but why? We look like fools in front of her. That's why. But the point is, if you're Willie Taggart, I hope you have your house up on Realtor.com. I really do. I hope that you know you told your kids they're leaving school. You know, that's a hard conversation. I hope you told your wife that. Listen, I'm not the man that you think I am. I hope he had all those conversations, because folks, I'm going to share with you some stats here. Now, now, Chris, you're a smart guy, so I'm gonna give you a plus or minus ten. There's 129 teams in college football, Division One. Okay. What rank do you think Florida State is in total defense? Uh, I'll give you a plus or minus ten either way. A total out of the 129, um, I'll say probably 90. Mm. 122. <laughs> they give up 40 points a game. But on, the, but on the other side of the spectrum, you know what their ranked in total offense is? Can I go out of the 129? Uh, I'll say 110. 39th. Yeah, you know, I guess they did put some points up. Yeah, 39th. And, you know, I want to thank the folks at Pro Football Reference. Recall, listen, these great numbers here. 
because I had to, I'm like, I look at I'm like, I'm writing them down. I'm like, I can't believe it. Because Virginia, listen, Virginia's offense, they're 30th in total offense, and they're 31st in defense. <laughs> oh, this is going to be bad. It's, folks, listen. They say Virginia is for lovers. FSU is not for winning. So, listen. And listen, I want to compare the coaches here. Willie Taggart versus the ACC. Now, mind you, this is his second, you know. Willie Taggart, what would you say Willie Taggart's record is in the ACC? If You know, just his record. Because they play eight ACC games. Ah, oh, man. Uh, I know overall he's going to be, so he's five and five and nine overall as the head coach for FSU. Um, so I'll say he's probably what, two and Probably two and four in, in ACC play. Three and five. Three, Three and five. five. Okay. You know the other. You know the other team. They fell asleep. Okay, we'll give Willie a pity win. And so, and that was in over. I mean, listen, he was five and seven in twenty eighteen. Bronco Mendenhall was also. This and this is going. He was six and seven in twenty seventeen. He had the very same record at that point in ACC. Three and five. Folks, my point is simply this. If I'm an FSU fan, which <laughs> thank God I'm not, you know, if I'm like you, if Willie loses this game, it's going to be like Ron Zook versus Mississippi State. It's going to be Lane Kiffin, USC bad. Because when Ron Zook lost to Mississippi State, before it could land back in Gainesville, he lost a job. Because, he didn't even. He wasn't even on the jet ride home, if I recall. Yeah, they just said, "Oh, let's like, like let's just sneak off and let, let let's not tell him." And and Zook has left their Mississippi State. Hopefully, he had you know, he had like a Mississippi mud sandwich or something. But Lane Kiffin, they left him on the tarmac. Got fired on the tarmac. Willie Taggart may get a note during the game like, uh, "This came from the school." He may have his bag packed at halftime. Because I don't think I don't think they'll get rid of him at halftime. I think what happens if Florida loses to Miami, or forgive me, Florida State loses to Miami uh, Saturday. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a very quiet plane ride home. When they land in Tallahassee, there's going to be the uh, the delivery boy with the uh, with the telegram saying that uh, your services are no longer needed. Because because it's because what I what I don't understand with FSH, I tell people. Look, Jimbo left because of money. And sometimes in life, there are some things that you can be cheap on and some things you have to be very expensive on. You can, you have to spend money. And, and using it in college, you got to spend money on coaches. And I think we talked about this in the podcast. Listen, you know why the Big Ten coaching is better? They spent money. They took the SEC approach and spent money. Well, the only reason that the Big Ten's relevant is they took an SEC coach. That's it. It exactly. wasn't for Urban Meyer. No one would even talk about the Big Ten right now. So thank Florida. Thank the SEC. Thank people that won titles in a significantly harder conference to make your pathetic conference even talkable. And then, of course, thank Kirk Herbstreet for dick riding you guys into the, into oblivion. Exactly. Because that's the Big Ten approach is we've got to pay these coaches. And if I'm the ACC, look, outside of Dabo Sweeney, Who's the second best coach in the ACC? Not Willie Taggart. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably he's probably the best. You know, listen, listen, Willie, listen. 
You know who I'd say is second best is the coach from Maryland. Um, oh, damn it. What's his name? It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I, I believe it's... Uh, let me see. Ah, you got me thinking. Uh, his name, I think he was just... I think it's his first year, too. Michael Loxley. Loxley. Yeah, Mike Loxley. Thanks, Google. Exactly. Because I don't think... <laughs> Like, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say he's probably the second best coach in the ACC right now. I can see Maryland going undefeated in, in, into November. And uh, you know what? I can see that too. They, you know, they, they look like the 01 Hurricanes out there offensively. Uh, I, FSU, listen, you think we rag on you, but listen, this is, this is an indictment of the ACC and how top heavy it is. See, I always talk about you got to have depth. The SEC, it's not all about Alabama. Listen, LSU proved that. Florida, Georgia. Even, like, if you know, if you take away, you know, this Texas A&M game against Clemson, that's a very good team. It's about being deep. In the Big Ten, I argue that, listen, there's something there. But, listen, I argue at the end of the day, the ACC's number one problem is you have a lot of fish, but you don't have a lot of bass. All right, you have a lot of like little yuppies in there. You don't have like another bass in that water. Because at the end of the day, and I'm going to go back to FSU, hiring Willie Taggart because I think he was probably the fifth guy on the list. They couldn't they couldn't hire the janitor, so they hired Willie Taggart. Okay, well, I guess Willie Taggart is a coach, so we'll hire him. Willie Taggart, everybody has a track record. I always say this. Go look at Willie Taggart. Oh, he turned around the program in year two. Yeah, that's not F- FSU. Listen, we're, obviously this is the best job he's had. And let's face the reality. We ragged on, listen, I argue this, that he Bobby Bowden's last season was better than Willie Taggart's last season. And this season. Because at the end of the day, folks, FSU, and I stand by this point, I understand Bobby had to be put, I get it, you know, I understand. But when you when you push out Bobby Bowden the way you did, and listen, they benefited from Jimbo. I don't knock that whatsoever. But what I also say with FSU is that, listen, when you hire coaches, like, listen, you lucked with Jimbo, but you didn't want to pay Jimbo. So Jimbo took that SEC, that good, sweet SEC money, and he went down to College Station. And listen, you always get what you pay for. With anything, whether it's dinner, whether it's, you know, a car, you know, and for some business people, some other things of leisure, which I will not legally go into. But the point is, is that you get what you pay for. This is what you paid for, FSU. 100% agree. This is what you paid for. uh, If I could cut in to redact the statement. So I I messed up on this one. I forgot that with the realignment of... uh, uh, schoolings there. I forgot Maryland was actually in the Big Ten, so I apologize on that one, saying that uh, Loxley was the second best coach in the ACC. Yeah, uh, you, I, I slipped my mind too. Yeah, so. I, I I completely forgot about that. That they're they're not ACC anymore. Um, however, if we could circumvent the conversation, sure. Do you think that Maryland could stand up with Ohio State for the Big Ten? <sighs> Honestly, yes, I do, because and and you and you hear me talk about this. 
it doesn't take long to turn around a program if you hire the right coach, the right system, and have the right quarterback. I think what Will Loxley, he inherited, he didn't, he didn't inherit a terrible team. It's just that, you know, the thing, you know, after that whole DJ Durkin and all that, what happened there, and, you know, with that program, the, t- the talent was not the issue. I think they just really played down that program. It was a lot of stuff on the program's mind. It wasn't football-related. You hire Mike Lockley, who has experience, and listen, I look at the Big Ten and I go, look, oh, I, like, listen, yeah, I, I, I stand by Michigan. I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, Mark Sanford's wife had that whole thing with the affair. Like, I have to stand by, like, stand by your man. I have to stand by Michigan here. I have the politicians to stand by, like Elliot Spitzer and all that. I just I have to be the wife here and stand by, even though I'm like, oh, okay, I shouldn't have to be up here. But I have to defend Michigan and say, listen, this was Michigan's worst game in a win I've ever seen. Because with Michigan, and this, the one stat I want to talk about with Michigan, the circumvent, and we we'll go back to Maryland. Under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan is 46-1 and when they average 2.9 yards per rush. Do you know what Michigan averaged against Army? You, you know, you know, you know what their average is. You know, you know what their average was in that game. Enlighten me. Two point four. <laughs> that was. <coughs> it was. Yeah, I want to try. <laughs> that was Michigan's first one under Harbaugh when they did not get at least two point nine yards per rush. It's scary. That's the Army for Christ's sakes. They're not. They're supremely athletically gifted individuals at, at West Point uh, Academy. And those guys are going to go on to do great, great things for this nation. But football isn't their priority. Mm-hmm. That's just something to, to bide some time with. But these kids at Michigan, that, that that's their livelihood. This is this is what they're, you know, wanting to get paid for. And yeah. bad. Very, very bad. And, and at the end of the day, and Michigan was celebrating like they won the national championship. But bro, it's 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 army, it's army. Like you're supposed to at least win by double digits, and you couldn't do it. What do you think? Exactly. I want to circumvent back to Maryland really, really quick. Is that I do believe, I do believe in Maryland. I don't think it's like some aberration. I've always there's because listen, I look at you know the Big Ten. You know, Ohio State's there, Michigan's there. But listen, there's a lot of room. For, Maryland's that team that I don't think the Big Ten takes seriously. Simply because I think that, oh, they don't, I just think that, you know, they can be easily overlooked. Just like when Cal, you know, listen, Washington overlooked Cal. And Cal beat them 2019. You know, I'm not saying what Washington season is done because they'll bounce back. But my point is, is that Maryland's one of those teams that they can, they can get eight, nine wins. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And, and at the end of the day, if Maryland, if a first-year Duke can come in and play this well, Willie Taggart, this is year two. You can get, listen, Mike Lockley, that recruiting area in Maryland, and you can probably attest to this, it's probably not a hotbed for high school talent. It's really not. It's, it's nothing like... Uh... Florida or Georgia or Texas or anything like that. Even some of the the some of the friends I made up here that are my age, we've talked about, uh, you know, high school football. Uh, granted, there have been a few, but the majority, yeah, they're com- they're coming from the south. And and that's why it's, you know. So what Lockley's dealing with, and the way he's got this, and the way his recruiting area is not that great. Willie Taggart, 
Florida is but it's like a swimming pool of all talent. And yet you're a cesspool. And 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 all I'm gonna simply say this because I don't want to give FSU more time than they deserve. Is listen, Virginia may blow the doors off this team. And I think FSU fans are gonna pick at that school on Monday asking for the head of Willie Taggart. Because there's no way in the world that this man and effort listen, Jimbo Fisher figured out in year two. For God's sake, Scott Frost at UCF figured it out in year two. I think I think they went undefeated. Oh, they well, lost one. I think granted, Scott, they played a whole different caliber of team. Exactly, but the point, but but it goes back to the point that you can turn around a program. UCF was terrible. Scott Frost comes in in year two and figures it out. And all of a sudden, then then and then all of a sudden they're playing in a they're playing in a January bowl. Willie, it's not that hard. And it, and this is, is an indictment on maybe he belongs coaching, listen, Little League, you know, or Little listen, or Little Giants, because this dude cannot coach college. He can't coach on the big boy level. He can't. I hope Western Kentucky's open, and I hope, you know, you this dude can't coach at a major – some some coaches aren't good for that. But, you know, I gave FSU too much time. It's like, like a center on the floor. I'm going to yield the rest of my time, you know, for FSU to, to fans who care. Oh, wait, there's only two left. So, but I want to talk about UF and Kentucky really quickly. Yeah. Like, like Terry, Will, you know, Terry Wilson, terrible injury happened to that young kid. Terrible injury. You know, and they got, a, you know, Sawyer Smith steps in. He's a Florida native. He's a transfer from Troy. UCF has won 37 of the last 39 meetings. Folks, and, I, you know, like you said, you know, we, we know what happened. Dan Mullen talked about it in his press conference. He talked about how this game, you know, every game's important, but they all remember what happened. And it happened on their field. So it happened at our field. He understands the importance of this game. But I'm going to tell you something. Felipe Franks, listen, I know it was UT Martin that helped his stats, but listen, he's, he's, listen, he's throwing the ball almost 78% completion percentage. He has four touchdowns, two interceptions. Felipe Franks, and I've always, he understands that Emory Jones, and we talked about that, I believe, on the last episode. Emory Jones, listen, if Felipe Franks stumbles in any capacity, you know, Gator Nation is going to call for Emory Jones. Felipe Franks understands. That's why I say, let's not push the panic button. Because, for the record, listen, we played Miami week one. And listen, we had UT Martin, a great warm-up game. Like a boxing sparring, you know, listen, we could knock them out. But what concerned me with Florida still is the offensive line. We still can't run the football. Clemichael Perrine so far has 20 rushes for 93 yards. And Kentucky, listen, they give up 115 yards per game. That's 40th in the nation. But however, if Felipe can throw the ball, Kentucky is 96 in pass defense. They give up 250 yards, 251 yards a game. We've got some great receivers. We got Van Jefferson, uh, Trevon Grimes, Ty- you know Tyree Cleveland. Um, you know, then our backfield can catch too. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, I know Tony's going to be out for this game. Uh, he's he's got an injury that he's trying to work out. But you know, not so much with Emory Jones. But you know, if you start looking at the depth chart in Florida, who actually impressed me. And again, I know it's only against UT Martin, but you know, Kyle Trask isn't no slouch either. He went I, I, four for five for 40 with a touchdown. 
Um, you know, I, I want to see Felipe succeed just due to the fact that it, you know, it he's our starter, and you want to stick behind your crew. But he did good. The thing he did not commit this game, and and I'm gonna call it, is he did not throw an interception. He did not make stupid throws. Uh, he went, you know, 25 for 27, 270 yards with two touchdowns. And this just shows the level uh, of the caliber of of players that Florida has and has had is that some schools would kill to have a guy go 25 for 27, 272 touchdowns, and then attack on another, I think it was another 30-something yards uh, on six carries. Other schools would kill for that kind of talent, but here we are bitching about it. So that just shows the level of of talent required to play at Florida. I think Felipe Franks. One thing he needs to chill out on is his attitude. He is a he is a very cocky young man, and that type of complacency is going to get him in trouble in a big game. This Tennessee game, or excuse me, this Kentucky game is going to be a big game. Time to buckle your bootstraps. Ten, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I keep calling them Tennessee. Kentucky, you know, they're not a, a per se ranked program. Um, they're not, you know, it's not like we're playing Alabama. But these games lead up to the Auburn game that we have on the October 5 and the LSU game on October 12 and the Georgia game on, on November 2nd. The, these Kentucky games matter because you could start playing under pressure here as you push into uh, uh, Auburn and LSU and and Georgia, you know that that's where the meat and potatoes gets into it. And then for the people that talk all the shit that Florida has uh, a, a shit schedule and things like that, they're playing three top ten ranked teams and two top four ranked teams in a matter of four weeks. Please show me what other school is doing that right now. If you look at the 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 current AP top 25, five out of the 10 uh, uh, top 10 people, uh, schools, are SEC schools. Exactly. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it, boys. Florida's going to come out. If they can beat, I think it's going to start, if they can beat Kentucky and, 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 and get that retribution, we're going to steamroll Tennessee. Townsend's a gimme game. The meat and potatoes of our schedule is going to be Auburn, LSU, and and Georgia. We play a gimme game with South Carolina, but South Carolina isn't a slouch program either. We beat Auburn. That's going to put us in good standing with LSU. We beat LSU. There should be no reason we don't go to the S- excuse me the SEC championship. And if we can make it past Bama, there's no reason that we should not be sitting in a national title contender spot. You're absolutely right, and and I think I think I talked about it earlier. I talked about you know the depth of a conference. What you said there epitomized my point to a T. Go, I tell people, go look at. I think our buddy, we always rag on Derek, but I always tell Derek he always says he doesn't care about the rest of his conference. Well, you should, simply because when you talk about the SEC. If the only valid point you can make is that, oh, Alabama, Alabama, then you're not really paying attention. It is that, listen, Florida has the, has the top 10 toughest schedule in the country. In the country. Forget the SEC. In the country. And, and at the end of the day, 
like you say, name a school that has that. That's not in the SEC. I'll put it that way. I could argue Auburn has an equally tougher schedule. Auburn had to beat Oregon. Auburn's going to play Florida. They're going to play Alabama. Name a school exterior of the SEC that has a tougher schedule. That's why we can afford to play Townsend. And we can play UT Martin. And we, and we can play West Shore, junior, senior, high school. We can play schools like that because our schedule balances it out. Because you can't keep playing, you know, number nine, number six. You can't keep playing those teams week to week. But that's what we're doing. And I feel that meat and potatoes, when we get October, November, it's like with baseball. Baseball, it's all about October. Like no one's discounting, you know, spring training or all of that. First, you got to make it to October. Exactly my point. I say October matters. So those other games, yeah, you do enough to get there. The Dodgers just clinched the division, so we know they're going to probably be around. The Yankees, it's a matter of if not when, when they do that. My simple point is, is that big teams step up in big moments. Florida, Florida's a program. That defense, I have no Todd Grantham has them playing like a team on a mission. I say if you keep showing that tape of my, that Miami game to recruits, I can turn you – and listen, there's a lot of NFL dudes on that team right now. That defense Todd Grantham has them playing is outstanding. And I say David Reese and those boys, they're, they're ready. The only question mark is, is going to be Felipe Franks. And like you say, a lot of teams would kill to have. I, I guarantee you, if I guarantee you Florida State would have killed to have a, a Kyle Trask. Or, or even, they would, because at the end of the day, it just shows you the standard we have at Florida. You got to have standards. You got to, like I said, it goes back to what I talk about. Coach, you got to have the right coach, the system, and the quarterback. Dan Mullen has right now, the only question mark, I don't question the coach, I don't question the system, is that we're talking about Felipe Franks. And if Felipe Franks, like you say, if he can cut down on the BS, his attitude, he's, he's, not, he's, he's not on that Baker Mayfield like how he was at Oklahoma type level stuff. He's not grabbing his junk or anything. But Felipe Franks needs to understand that you're the quarterback of the Florida Gators. You've got to understand how the last couple of couple of years we've been terrible at that position you're the best thing to happen to this position in a long time i don't know if you'll agree or disagree with that sentiment oh i'll, I'll absolutely because you look it was a Dr- uh jeff driscoll uh who is the other one? Oh my god we, they were all terrible um there, there there was another one actually i remember we played fau and his brother was a quarterback for fau and i bought tickets like I mean, literally the night before the game, and uh, as me and a couple buddies, we went and watched it. So we were sitting on the visitor sideline, like front row. I did nothing but trash him the entire game. I know that dude heard me. I mean, I could have reached out and slapped the back of his helmet if my arms were a foot longer. And in history, and. His so Felipe Franks is the best thing to happen to this program. So is Dan Mo- We understand. We understand how important this is. Felipe Franks has to snap the hell out of it because, listen, young man, we got to play Auburn. Young man, we got to play Georgia. Young man, we got to play LSU. 
you better mint what, what I always say, neck up. Neck up. And I say Felipe Franks has to cut out some of that BS starting now. Like you say, starting now, we're starting to get into that SEC play. You got to cut out that BS. If you want, listen, you saw the way LSU played against Texas. We got to figure out how to beat those boys in Death Valley. Yeah. We've done it before. We can do it it, again. Exactly. So, like I say, you know, I think think the overall takeaway from this week is is that, and you know what, I'm going to put a minor team. I didn't put them on this list because I didn't want to give too much love to the Pac-12. Because I didn't want, you know, that's too much Kool-Aid. I love Kool-Aid. That's just too much for me. Is, you know, Arizona State at Michigan State. Listen, I like what Herm Edwards, former Jet coach, I love Herm. I love Herm to death. And, and listen, he, listen, they beat Michigan State last year. And, and, you know, Michigan State's looking, but Michigan State's offense is suspect. You know, it's just like if someone goes missing in OJ's neighborhood, we all know where to go to. But... So they were suspect. I'm not saying that Arizona State pulls it off again, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than what, like Lee Corso says, a lot closer than what the experts think. So now, speaking of thinking, let's think about our fantasy football here. And, and you know, I'm going to throw this in there because cause we're for the record, we're both in the same, me and Chris are both in the same league. And, buddy, I just feel really bad for you, man. I really you know, do. hats off to CJ. Uh, I lost the bet, so I got this ugly fucking Miami logo on my Facebook for the next week. <laughs> got lucky. You, you, you literally got lucky. Corey Davis goose-egged me, uh, I, which I was actually shocked about. I, I really didn't think that would, would happen. But, I mean, I, I guess anything can uh, I lost by two points on a on that Monday night. Excuse me, that Monday night game. What hurt me was uh, Mr. Sutton uh, coming out and throwing twenty six points up from Denver. I didn't think that would happen, but uh, hats off. I I lost. Uh, I'm coming this week. I'm actually playing you this week. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm going for the throat, man. I yeah. I made I made some moves. And uh, I am I am going for the throat this week. Were you were you wearing your hoodie? Were you wearing like the Bill Belichick way? You had that kind of yeah. You're in the you know like the good lord. No, Where's, I had the uh, if I was wearing a headset, I was throwing it on the ground like a, <laughs> like a very very angry person. Yeah, uh, you know, like uh, bo- borderline uh, borderline Harborough angry on a sideline. Oh man. Yeah, I was. I was pissed, and then the other league I'm in, I just I, I, I got my shit pushed in. I mean, there is just no other way about it. Uh, Tyree Kill going out and getting hurt, that that hurt me severely. You know, listen, you know, because I, I won in both of my leagues, not to toot my own horn. Well, the hell, I, I am tooting my own horn. But, you know, it's, it's and people understand how tough it is. Is that because, like I say, I felt bad for you because I check it the matchup, and I said I think you were up. My God, you! I'm like okay. So barring a cataclysmic collapse, I said Chris has got it in the bag, and then next thing you know, 
could they send like an email or whatever? And then so I checked it and I said, oh my God, he lost by two. And then who? Then when I saw who CJ had, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I'm like, he, yeah, he, he, he earned that W. I'll give that to him. But um, so, so I want to get into who were some of the, so some of your weeks, you know, who you liked in who you liked in week one, and who you some of your studs and your duds. But more importantly, before we get there, let's focus on this week because because it's me and you. So, so folks, listen for the record. For the record, this dude had an A minus in drafting, and folks, I saw the percentage bar. You know how they can call. I don't know if people play the NCAA football. You know when someone's favored really heavily, like the bar shakes. I felt that bar shake on his side. I felt, I felt it shake, and I'm like, son of a. B-. I, I felt it shake because there's only so many roster moves that I could make, and I'm looking at my guy, and I need literally half my team to exceed their percentage by at least fifty percent, at least. You know, you know, like I say, if some team don't show up for his team, you know, I'm not gonna be upset. All I'm saying is that you know, flat tires happen on buses every day. That's all I'm saying. You know. You know, so something happens to your team. You didn't hear from me. Yeah, we'll but, see what happens. So, so give me some of your, so give me some of your. If you want to go, some of who you liked in week one, or you can start with or who you like, who you like now for week two. Well, you know what I what I prepared uh, is what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to go uh, each week on fantasy, and I'm going to touch on uh, stardom sitems. I guess we'll we'll call this yeah. uh, little column, and I'm going to feature a specific. Uh, tailored position. So this week I'm actually going to be doing running backs. And then as we go on, I'll do, you know, quarterbacks and wideouts and defenses, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I did a little bit of research and these are my stardoms. Uh, number one is going to be Derrick Henry. Um, he came out in a studly fashion last week. I was very impressed again with Tennessee's rollout. Um, you know, he 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 was a beast last week. Um, they're playing against uh, uh, Indianapolis this week, and uh, I believe that Tennessee is actually favored to win this game. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm I'm very very shocked with that. Um, but you know, Derrick Henry's on my starting list. Another one, unfortunately, I couldn't cuff him this year. This man has always been my uh, my secret weapon for many many seasons. Is Duke Johnson with the Texans? Um, I believe that uh, they're playing Jacksonville this week. Uh, he had a very solid debut against uh, New Orleans. Nine carries for fifty seven yards, which you know definitely isn't bad. Um, he played well over fifty percent of the snap count in the game. Um, he's definitely if you're in a PPR league, the guy catches a lot of balls in the backfield. Uh, him, it looks like him and Deshaun Watson have some chemistry. Um, he's definitely a solid uh, number two, borderline number one, again, if you're in a PPR league. Um, another one, of course, is Sony Michelle out of New England. Uh, they're playing Minnesota, or excuse me, they're playing Miami. That's just going to be an outright massacre. Tom Brady's going to have a field day the first half. Once the, the, the second string gets in, you'll see him probably catch a couple balls out of the backfield. Um, and then, of course, uh, on Johnson from uh, Detroit. They're scheduled in uh, the plan against the Chargers. Um, he didn't have a, a, a great game in week one. 
Um, but I believe that uh, he's going to have a bounce back against the uh, against the Chargers this week. Um, for my sleepers, these are you know people that uh, you, you you can always count on something happen. Number one is Giovanni Bernard. Um, this is solely dependent if Mixon is ruled out. Apparently, he's having some ankle issues. Um, he missed a couple games last season with the same exact injury. Um, again, this is a PPR gold mine. Uh, I, I, both my leagues are PPR, so this is stuff I'm looking into. Um, that's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, if you have Mixon on your roster and you see Bernard available in the wire, I highly encourage you to go pick him up right now because that can, if Mixon goes down, you're going to have Bernard getting the majority of the snap counts. Uh, Chris Thompson out of Washington. They're going against Dallas. Of course, Dallas is favorited to win. But with uh, their starting running back out, and then, of course, Thompson, uh, Chris Thompson and AP is going to share snap counts. Uh, I don't even think AP took the field last week. Um, so even then, I think uh, Chris Thompson is going to be taking the majority of the, uh, the, the snap count. So that should be an interesting game to watch, and he's definitely could be a, uh, a sleeper in the making. Another one, and I know it sounds crazy, is LaShawn McCoy. I know he sounds like he's washed up and, and kind of on the back burner. The boy's still got some juice left in him. Uh, 10 carries for 81 yards, um, and then one catch for 12 yards. Um, I mean, he, he, he played, I want to say, around 30, 30 to 35% of the uh, – the snap count, however, if you're in a PPR league and you need a flex person, uh, uh, that wide out receiver tight end slot filled, LaShawn McCoy could do it. Your sit uh, this one's going to hurt me, but uh, Tariq Cohen from uh, uh, Chicago, I, I got him on my on my sit list. Um, he's a good PPR quarterback or a good PPR running back. Um Trubisky does not use him as as a traditional uh, back. He's a sole backfield. He's got a set of hands on him. Um, if you play in a PPR league, if you have somebody else, start him. If not, good luck. I'm unfortunately a little thin on the uh, on the running back side, so I might have to use him if I can't pull something out of the uh, out of the magic hat. Uh, another one to take a seat this week is going to be Aaron Jones uh, going against Minnesota. We talked about Minnesota having a hell of a defense. Um, Aaron Jones didn't really do a lot uh, against Chicago. Um, you know, I know his knee injury has been a little bit of an issue. He had 13 carries for 39 yards. Really not a, a, a something to write home about. And then he split playtime with Jamal Williams. So, and then of course going against Minnesota's defense, their run defense is pretty pretty strong. Of course, other sit-downs, uh, Kenyon Drake, it's the Dolphins. I don't even know how much more i got to touch on that. Uh, and then another one, if for some godforsaken reason you thought about starting him, AP, um, with uh, Grease out, uh, or Geis, I'm sorry, or however the hell you pronounce his name. Uh, you know, AP, just sit him. If you got him on your team, just get rid of him. He's 34 years old. He's he, he's at the end of his rope. He's just hanging on by a thread. Um those are my pickums and sitems. Hopefully, this could be some uh, valid intel for you guys. You know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Unfortunately, I went zero and two this week in fantasy, so maybe my opinion isn't valid against anything. But however, I still beat Ladarius on overall picks for week one, so that's all that matters on this show. Oh, so so we're doing that? Yes, so, sir. Oh yeah, we're doing that. Okay, okay, America. So for the record, let's listen to the guy who went. 
two and zero in both of his leagues. Mm. So let's, let's let's listen to this guy. Listen, I'm not saying I'm Bill Walsh, but he's a he's a distant cousin. So for my starting and sit and you know it's kind of a mix of PPR, non PPR. But well, some of my starts, I'm gonna go with Carryon Johnson. Listen, Detroit plays the Chargers. As much as I like the Chargers defense, I don't like the matchup for the Chargers. Carryon Johnson could take advantage because versus running backs, the Chargers are 24th. So, and I expect Carryon Johnson. And I know Matt Stafford throws the ball like a wild man, like it's 1980s football. But I like Carryon Johnson. I think that against this Chargers defense, who secondary, even without Derwin James, is still very good. So if you have him, I would recommend that you start him. Maybe if you have that flex position open, start him. But if you if you have no running backs whatsoever, I definitely slot him in there. And, you know, you had Sony Michelle. Listen, it's Miami. It's it's Le Garbage for the for our, for our French speaking folks. It's Miami, and you know, and one this one may shock people, but I say Josh Allen, and I and I say Josh Allen for absolute emergency purposes, because they're playing a Giants defense who just gave up 400 yards, four touchdowns to the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm not saying that the Giant, I'm not, but that defense, and I talked about it when I previewed, and that Giants defense is bad. And, but I believe, especially with the weapons that Josh Allen has, and you, you know, specifically, you know, Tay Jones, he's got Cole Beasley. There's weapons for Josh Allen against the secondary that, you know, they took a lunch break in the middle of that game against the Dallas Cowboys. And also, you know, someone you could start, listen, Allen Robinson. I'm really high on Allen Robinson, you know, even though, and it, this was tough for me to say it, but. Listen, for Trubisky, he accounted for 44.7% of Trubisky's passing yards. And they're playing a Denver team who just got waxed by a Raiders team who had no business winning that game. It was the emotions of Monday night. I was talking to Chris. I was talking to our buddy Derek. He's a huge And I told him, I said, I think that was an emotion win for, for, for the Raiders. So from a fantasy perspective, I think that that – that may have been the reason why, quite possibly, Denver played that way defensively. But I, I look at Allen Robinson in that matchup, and I really, really, really like it. I think Trubisky actually figures it out. So once again, if you have him, once again, I would start him. But once again, this all goes on what you already have. If you have a DeAndre Hopkins like me, you know, flex. But I would definitely put him as the number two, three guy. But, you know, and we don't talk enough about defense on it because some of these defense may not matter but I still I'm still riding that Tennessee defense because like I said five sacks three INT and had and even had a safety and they're and I believe they're playing a Colts team if I'm not mistaken that listen they did not impress you know Jacoby Brissett was good not great but Marlon Mack was the real hero for the Indianapolis Colts so my question is Outside of T.Y. Hilton, I go back to that question. Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, they have no – the tight ends are not that great. So Tennessee may have a field day against offensive line that I really, really like. You know, I really like, you know, Indy's offensive line. But quite honestly, start Tennessee's defense simply because, like I said once and I'll say it again, Mike Vrabel and that team could easily end up ending this season as a top 10 defense. If Mariota can figure out how to stay healthy, that whole team could be a contender. But for this week, I will start the Tennessee defense. 
So now these were a couple of hard to sit. And I and I'm simply saying, and this may shock some people, but I'm saying you sit down Kansas City's defense. Listen, Kansas City's defense, they allowed twenty six points against Jacksonville and Nick Foles was done before halftime. And Minshew came and lit him up and I said that was the one of the biggest question marks I've always said about the Kansas City Chiefs is that their defense. And they're playing an Oakland team that listen, Oakland, the Oakland offense had twenty four points against the Denver Broncos. So so once again, I would definitely sit him. Another one that may shock some people, I say sit down Stephen Diggs. I really do. And people are gonna be like, well, why why you should why should you sit Stephen Diggs? And listen, last week, like I said, Kirk Kissing Cousins can't throw the football to save his life. He only had out of he only listen, passed only only passed ten times last week and 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 Stephon Diggs had two targets. And he took advantage of those targets, but mind you, it but like I said, with Stephen Diggs and the matchup this week. I just don't like against a Green Bay defense that really impressed me. They really impressed me enough. They invested in defense. You know, Mike Pettin has them boys in that secondary playing very well. I say sit Stephen Diggs because I think that's right now. But once again, if you have Dalvin Cook, I would maybe suggest start him. Once again, really, really, I would start him. I would, Actually, I would start him. I debated with putting him on the start list. I debated because I, that like I said, that, Green Bay off of it, that Green Bay D line, it's played very well, and you know also I say sit you know I mean a lot of people may not have him started but I say sit Vance McDonald because Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball forty seven times last week, and Vance was only four of those targets, and I'm not it's not a reaction, it's not a reaction to the way they played, and Big Ben I'm still pissed off about that by the way, but. You know, you're playing a Seattle team who, listen, they want to get their bearings back. Andy Dalton was slinging the ball like Boomer Esiason, you know, against the, you know, against a very good Seattle defense. And I say this week, you sit Vance because I think that Seattle defense understands, I think Juju's going to get his stuff. I think that Pete Carroll, that defense, they're going to figure it out. And I have a couple of sleepers here. A couple of sleepers here. I really like sticking with Baltimore. Marquise, I think his nickname is Hollywood Brown, and I'm like, okay. And on Hollywood, I know it's Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But anyway, that's a whole conversation for a different day. I really like Marquise Brown here. Listen, he had, listen, four receptions, 147 yards, two touchdowns, and they're playing the Arizona Cardinals. And once again, Matt Stafford lit them up like a Christmas tree. So I really, really do. So I suggest, once again, if you have no wide receivers, I definitely slot them in. But if you have, you know, if you have two, three good guys, better start them. Once again, these are more flex based, or you really need somebody to start now situations. And once again, Chris, I'm gonna go with your running back theme because I think this, this could be a big week for running backs. I don't know if you'll agree with that or not. Absolutely. I think it's a that, big. That's why. That's why I featured him. I, I I'm gonna try to cater each each week to see if I can tie it into. Uh, the entire category of, of a pick 'em and set 'em to hopefully help some people out. Because I think I think it's a big week for running backs this week. And, you know, I think Malcolm Brown for the Rams. I think that, you know, even though, you know, he had eleven carries fifty three yards, once again, Todd Gurley's health is a question to me. And I think that they're kind of putting him on like to use a baseball equivalent, they're putting Gurley on a pitch count. And so early on in the season, because they want him to be ready for the they want him to be ready enough 
toward the back end of the season. So I really do. So I suggest that, listen, you start them. Are you starting there? Because, listen, Malcolm Brown could be one of those dudes that, listen, I think he's a real sleeper type dude. So, ergo, that's why he's in the sleeper category. But also, you know, and listen, I know you said to sit Adrian Peterson, but I think he's a sleeper, and this is why. You know, I know he's 34, but he was he was a healthy and active last week. He wasn't hurt. Jay Gruden was a dope and just said he was inactive. And now that Darius Geis is out, is going to be out, with a knee injury, I think between him and Chris Thompson, it's a matter of who gets more of the workload. And mind you, I understand that AP, he's 34, he's a Hall of Fame running back. He may not still have that same getup he did five years ago. Or I could argue, you know, maybe even longer than that. But I still believe, I still believe in Washington, even though they're playing Dallas, I still believe that the workload will be shared. I think Case Keenum won't be able to really have a passing a game. So, but once again, AP is an emergency situation only. And finally, someone who I think could be part of the biggest sleeper of the of the, of, of of week two is Devin Singletary for Buffalo. Simply put, the Giants' defense is bad. It's simple. They're that bad. And you you heard me talk. That's why I had Josh Allen as a dude to start. Listen, I know Zeke didn't have the greatest game. But Devin Singletary, I think I could argue, because right now Frank Gore is the one now in Buffalo. Devin Singletary, there's a reason why LaShawn McCoy got released. Was because of the way that Devin Singletary played in the preseason. Devin Singletary is that type of dude. Listen, last week, listen, I really, I really just like him. And I really can't put a specification, but I look at the matchups and it goes, you know, I'm going to put him in there. So that's who I like there. And and also one more, to go back to one more sit him, and this may shock me, but I say you sit Aaron Rodgers this week. I think that Vikings defense, listen, they shut down Matt Ryan to 328 total yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. And I'm not saying that Matt Ryan is better than Aaron Rodgers. That's a debate for another day. But I think that Vikings defense is legitimate, especially that front seven. And I do believe that the question mark is, I just can Aaron Rodgers get the ball out? Can he get it to Devontae Adams, Scanling, and even Jimmy Graham? Can he? And I just think that that secondary and that front, I think all, all parts of that defense under Mike Zimmer is well good. And, and my God, I still don't like Kirk Kiss and Cousins. But I say at the end of the day, I also say you start. And then one more start is Austin Hooper for the. Austin Hooper for the for my Falcons. Listen, I think you you alluded to it earlier on. He had nine receptions, seventy seven yards, and the, but the Eagles gave up four receptions, fifty nine yards to eighty nine year old Vernon Davis. So, my logic says is that they're looking at this offense. Austin Hooper is not going to be priority number one. Priority number one is Julio. Priority number two is probably Ridley. Priority number three is probably Sanu. Hooper may be the fourth guy they look at and go. He may get stuck with the linebacker the whole game. And the way if the and if the Eagles play the way that they did against Washington, against you know against you know if Washington that Philly game, listen and the Atlanta I can I think we can both safely agree is a better team than Washington. So with Austin Hooper, I think that's a matchup to look out for you guys. And once again, for my starters, I always say. 
if I always say absolutely start them. When I say, you know, the sleepers, it's contingent upon your depth at the position. So that's my start, sit them, and I threw in a couple of sleepers for you guys. And I think that, and I think that we, I think for the most part we agree because I think we both like running backs this week. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a running back heavy week. Um, a lot of good matchups, a lot of good defenses going to be clashing against each other. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm going to feature a key position every week for a for a sit 'em start 'em, and uh, hopefully try to help some people out. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and FYI for those of week one, I feel sorry for those who had Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, uh-huh. and Aaron. And listen, I had Aaron Jones, and listen, I that w- and listen, and Stephen Diggs and and Eber, and I listen. Like, I want to talk about Jameis from a fantasy perspective, real if I could for just a moment. You know, Jameis has the weapons around him. He has, like you argue, I could argue maybe a top ten receiver in Mike Evans. He still has OJ Howard. Chris Godwin was the only guy that had really fantasy value because he caught a touchdown pass. Jameis Winston moving forward, and I'm not saying, you know, buyer beware. What I say to people is that. If if look how Jameis plays Thursday against a you know against a very good Carolina team, what I say to this is that buyer beware. Is that I truly do believe that if he keeps playing this way, and I don't think it's hyperbole when I say it, I'd say that I wouldn't start him unless you have once again it goes back to PP. It goes back unless you have a better option, and that's why I like the league that we're in. That I, I just got the memo we talked about about the quarterbacks. I just got the memo. I, I was we talked about the importance of the quarterback position. That's why I drafted two quarter. I drafted, you know, fairly early, and I drafted one like right in the next round, because Jameis Winston. There's 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 talent there, obviously, but if he can't get the ball. Anybody? This dude had three ints against against the San Francisco 49ers, and like you say, Richard Sherman, one he took to the house. I think fantasy value. This is why I say progressing on. If he keep if he plays Thursday as bad as he did this, I, I'd say unless go look at the waiver wire, really go look. And if, if you don't, and like I say, you hear me talk about Sam Darnold a lot for your Jets. I truly do believe that long term, Sam Darnold has value. I really do believe that because Le'Veon Bell is not just a one trick pony out of the backfield. He can catch out of the backfield as well. Rob, there's talent. So my suggestion to those people who maybe have Jameis or want to get James, it's a really a buyer beware situation. And same thing for Scam Newton, not Cam Newton, Scam Newton, because he scams people. We look at his numbers and we go, wow. But he had he didn't throw a single touchdown pass. He had he threw one interception against a very good Rams team. So that that game Thursday night, whoever comes out better, I expect Cam Newton to have the better numbers because. Tampa Bay's defense is just awful. But from a fantasy perspective, I just say for those two quarterbacks, if you don't have a better option, start them. But, you know, there's 32 quarterbacks in the league. And I understand you can't have – you can't get the Drew Bridges and the Mahomes if we get that. But it's all about value at the end of the day. So I would just tell you guys, listen, watch Thursday night. They'll let you know which guy kind of going forward is going to be better. But my guess is that – down the road, Jameis Winston's value will go down. 
I don't know what your thoughts on that is, but that's how I kind of see that. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be hit or miss with Winston. This 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 is going to be a couple crucial games for him for for his career. Uh, it's put up or shut up time with him, and uh, uh, you know Cam Newton. I know you got a little bit of a, a little bit of a hard on for him. Uh, he's got a lot of great players that make him look good. Um, he's no slouch. And you know, the one thing I will say with Cam is he's not afraid just to keep the ball and take off running and do it himself. Um, I don't want to call him a scam just yet, but he he makes some stupid plays sometimes. Luckily, he has the security blanket of Christian McCaffrey, which is arguably, I would say, the second best running back in, in the NFL right now, or second best player in the running back position. He's more of a pass back, but yeah. he's a stud, and that, that helps Cam Newton out immensely. But it's going to be a good game to watch. That's an NFC South game that definitely is is going to be uh, uh one for the taking um cuz that whole that whole I mean right now the Saints look like the only team of consistency. I know your Falcons are in there, but the Saints look like the only consistent team. Uh the Falcons, I think their defense is going to be a problem for them throughout the season and then uh Carolina and Tampa, it's going to be a roller coaster ride for their fan base, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to push back on that cuz you hear me? I always talk about the Falcons defense. And listen, I love Dan Quinn. I love the work that he did for Seattle. In fact, he was all—he was also the Gators' defensive coordinator for a while. He understands defense. But at the end of the day, that to me is going to be the biggest. That's going to be the biggest red flag. It's kind of like we're kind of like the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are slightly better, more consistent, because. Because all I ask, all I ask from from my Falcons defense, is that listen, we don't give up. We just listen. We're gonna put up points. Just stop people. I think that's the philosophy for Andy Reid right now in Kansas City, and and to make it go back to the fantasy value of it, I think if this if Dirk Cutter can figure out a way to score, the defense won't be as it's gonna be an issue. But I think that if Matt Ryan, Julio. You know, Ridley, Sanu, Hooper, get those guys involved, get those guys going. That defense, listen, nobody, there's a reason why the Falcons defense is still in the waiver wire because even I won't pick them up because I don't trust them. Because, listen, as a fan, you know your, you know your team in and out like how you know your Jets. I know my Falcons, and I'm like, listen, that's, once again, that's a buyer beware. Absolutely. Situation there. But, and I'm, you know, and real, like I say, at the end of the day, you know, good luck to you guys this week. You know, maybe, maybe to Chris, half good luck. But you know, I'm already a 25 point favorite. Like I said, I'm coming for blood this week, my man. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I got we... to redeem myself. Well, you know, the Buffalo Bills. Said, you know, listen, the Houston Oilers said the same thing about the Buffalo Bills. So, and back in the day, and they like they were down like 38 to three, and then Frank Reich who's ironically the coach of the Colts, came back and let a comeback. So I'm not saying that I'm the Buffalo Bills. The only thing, the only thing good thing about Buffalo is maybe the wings. So, but maybe. <laughs> but. Fun fact, though. I did a little bit of uh, uh, history research for fantasy for me. Mm-hmm. Last time I lost both times opening week on uh, week one and playing in two leagues. Last time I did that. I won a championship. Oh boy! We'll see what happens. Man, the Gatorade in his house must be super tangy. So, <laughs> I, I guess I bet you right now this dude went out and bought like packs of. I'm telling you, 
you know, I drink Kool-Aid. This guy just drinks Gatorade. And FSU, they can't even drink water the right way. But, you know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll Hopefully, see what happens. Maybe this, this uh, stigmatism can continue. I, I, I pulled up and I was looking at it and I said, you know what? Maybe taking a, a, a loss week one on both teams wasn't a bad time because guess what? Last time I did that, I walked away with a first place trophy in my hand. So, like I said, you know, before we wrap up, the one the one thing I will say about, you know, you know, Bill Belichick Jr. here is is that, listen, there's a reason why he had a great draft, and like like I say, at the end of the day, I, I had to really really rely on you rely on your stars, obviously, and like I say, if DeAndre Hopkins would have threw up a dud, I would have lost Week One, because really Russell Wilson kind of underachieved. I had like three or four guys that overachieved a little, which I kind of needed. But honestly, and this is going to sound bad, but I started the Vikings defense against my Falcons. Listen. Hey, man, listen, it happens. Listen, I'm a loyal guy, but listen, I want to win too. So, you know, I'll pull a, you know, a Jeff Galuli and, you know, you know, listen. I'll pull a Tony Harding. Why? Why? But it's <laughs> Listen, once again, if you're a figure skating fan, I apologize. But. I, I figure, you know, figure skating, they're probably playing, you know, they're, they're probably on the on the rink right now. But but before we wrap up this baby, we know it's 9-11 today, and I know, buddy, you want to say some words, so I'll give you the floor, my friend. Yeah, man. Uh, I just want to, you know, just everybody take a, take a moment of the day and uh, remember the people that, uh, you know, that didn't make it home. There were a few thousand people that went to bed the night of the 10th and woke up uh, the morning of the 11th. And, you know, it's a scary thing, you know. Uh, well over 2,000 American civilians died, um, you know, between the actual, not, between the trade centers going down and uh, the plane crashes into the Pentagon and then uh, up into uh, Pennsylvania by Camp David. Um, you know, but also I, I see so much hatred right now towards so many people in the um, uh, social service outlets, law enforcement, uh, paramedics, CMTs, things like that. You know, 343 firefighters ran into uh, the, the towers on that uh, on that morning 18 years ago, probably knowing that they weren't going to come back out. But, uh, you know, they grin and bear it and they, they did it without thinking twice. You know, 37 Port Authority Police Department uh, personnel died, 23 NYPD and uh, eight FDNY EMTs uh, lost their lives that day. Um, to a point, you know, uh, there's a lot of diversity in this country right now about a lot of things. But, you know, I think back to that day, we all kind of came together as Americans. We didn't look at each other as black or white or Democrat, Republican or Asians or Jews or Catholics or whatever. We were just Americans. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't take that type of uh, uh, of travesty to, to occur to, to pull us together. But, you know, every time I go down to those memorials, it's kind of a somber feeling. You know, I was actually talking with somebody today that uh, their first time to visit uh, Manhattan was uh, like two weeks ago. And they're impressed with Times Square, just how loud it is and how busy it is. And then you get down to lower Manhattan, uh, where the, the World Trade Center Museum and memorials are. And, uh, you know, it's a very somber feeling. You know, there's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of rich history and a lot of sadness in that area. But, you know what, we, we persevered uh, and we, we built an even bigger tower with Freedom Tower. And, uh, you know, so my heart goes out to you know, the people that lost loved ones. 
uh, as victims or for the uh, the firefighters and police and EMTs that uh, willingly donated their lives uh, to help out, you know, on that day. You know, big shout out to you guys. And, uh, you know, thanks for being the first line of defense for this country. And, uh, you know, just to say a prayer and, you know, take a moment of silence for these guys. You know, and absolutely well said, buddy. You know, I I went there. I was in New York that that summer, to two thousand one. I went to New York. I won a trip, and we went to Stone, and I wrote this essay of why I wanted to go to New York. I couldn't tell you what I put in that essay, but I I went there. It was the June July. It was the summer when we were like when we were out of school, and you know went to Central Park, did all those those great things. But the one thing that I remember vividly is that I saw these two towers. And mind you, coming from, you know, born and raised here, you know, born and raised in Melbourne, Florida, there's not many big buildings. Yeah, you don't see shit like that in Florida. You know, uh, being a New Yorker, that was that was just another day at the office, you know, just seeing giant buildings everywhere. And and you're absolutely right. And to, to me, and, and, you know, I was 13, and I saw that, and I had a lot of these younger people, I mean, I know, it's hard to say that because we're in our 30s. But a lot of these kids don't know about those Kodak disposable cameras. And I was on the ferry, and I took, I was on the ferry to go to the Statue of Liberty. And I took about two, three photos, and they weren't great because, you know, the ferry was rocking, and then I'm not the, the most steady guy with the hands, you know. But then I went to the base of the Statue of Liberty. Everybody wanted to go to the top. I said, no, thank you. And I stayed at the base. And I took that picture. And I've kept that picture for 18 years. Not, not knowing what was going to happen months later. And, and when I got up this morning, said my prayers, I kept, I kept it in my box. And I look at that photo. I don't try to look at it too often because it brings up the memories of the lives. And you, and, you hit, and you talked about it very eloquently. I think about the men and women. Who lost their lives? You know, you know, a lot of families they lost brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, you know, aunts and uncles, you know, and even friends, you know, and and it was very hard. And I found out, like most of us did, we were in school, and and I remember that we didn't see the coverage of it till that afternoon. And it was an English class. All of us, you know, we just stared. I think a couple of us kind of cried a little because we didn't know what was going on. We knew that it was, we knew that, you know, something was, was, was wrong. And, and I tell people, and you hit it on the head, you know, with all the device, you know, all this divisiveness, it didn't matter what your political affiliation was, your religion, your race. We were all Americans that day we all came together and it was said that it took tragedy and it took lives for us to come together and and i and i think about and i remember i remember with you know with george w bush and i believe the yankees were playing i think they played a couple of days after 9 11. yes they did and and i remember watching that it didn't matter if you were a Cubs fan like me, a Met fan, a Brewers fan, everybody that day was Yankee fans. And we were fans of America. To see the President of the United States throw out the first pitch, to see a city 
the way to see a country come that way. And and we should we think about them not only today but every day. Because a lot of cause a lot of a lot of family members became first responders because of that. I think I read an article today. I think like 34 of them graduated to become first responders. You know, you know, those related for those who lost their lives. And I always tell people is is that we can sit here and we can talk about what separates us. But let's always talk about what unites us. And that day, even as a teenager, it united us as one. And like you say, a lot of thousands, they didn't know they, they woke up. They didn't know they were coming home. And, and I stress to those, like, say a prayer for them. Think of them. Think of those families who are still going through it to this day. Because I don't care what nobody tells you. They can tell you that, you know, time heals things. For some people, that time, they may never be healed. And, and I think about them, and I think about, and I look at that picture, and I think about them. And, and it's, a, it's a hard day for everybody, especially those who remember you knew where you were when it happened. And we just didn't know as a country what to do, but what we knew but what we knew how to, what we knew what to do was we came together. I think flags were being bought. You saw patriotism everywhere, mm-hmm. every day. And I and, and you know and I'm not going to make this political like you say. But I always tell people you should always be proud to be American. And I always you know like that song by Lee Greenwood said you know proud to be an American, or at least I know I'm free. I tell people it's not hyperbole. It's not conjecture. I do believe we're the greatest nation on the world. And that day, we proved that terrorism's not going to win. They're not going to win. We're going to rebuild. And like you say, the tower, is, the building is bigger than ever. And I don't get too uber emotional about it. Because like I said, you covered, you covered everything. But I want to tell people, you know, I want you to say a prayer for them. And to the families that who may have... We're still thinking about you because every day, every year, every birthday, it, it, it's hard. And and so once again, just say a prayer and think about the men and women who died that day, who didn't know who came in, some who rushed in to save lives. So I want people to think about that in the images. And then think about think about that in the times of divisiveness that we're in. Think about what makes us a great nation. Divisiveness gets us nowhere. Unity gets us somewhere. It gets us in the right direction. But but once again, man, I, I want to thank you for your time. Once again, in another another great episode. Absolutely. As always, my friend and. Once again, you can listen. You can listen to the podcast on, you know, Anchor, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public. And the social media is at Sports the War on both Twitter and Instagram. And the Facebook page is, is Sports and the World, ampersand for the word A, so Sports and the World. Be posting content, including our picks and other content. And and so if any you know so once again thank you my man 
Thank you, my man. And thank you all for listening, taking time out of your day, your afternoon, or your evening to listen to you on Sports in the World. Until we talk again soon, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And you guys have a great day every day. Make like a baby and head out. Exactly. What he said. (laughs) See y'all. See ya.